What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black Talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-Centered Encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com Can I, can I just say that, like, uh, maybe the workplace is not the best place to be a warrior. Like, like if you're put in a position where you have to harm another non-white person, then absolutely that's a place where you put your foot down and you don't partake. But I say, like, as if you're in the workplace, just make people happy. What the heck? Just, just, just play the game. Because if you're not playing the game, I don't know. You're not, you're not getting by. And like, uh, that doesn't mean you have to be on some crazy, uh, I don't know, quote unquote, coon type shit. But the language, uh, but, the uh, language, the language. I'm sorry. I actually, wanted, but, um, I wanted to pause really quick because just with some of the words about being a warrior on the job, I'm not sure what that means. Um, but I hadn't used the term being a warrior on the job. Uh, and as you said, uh, make people happy on the job. Um, yep. I wasn't quite clear. I just wanted to clarify when I talk about racism on the job and how we should function on the job, I mean doing things that are going to be in your best interest so that you're not harmed, so that you're not mistreated, so that you get whatever raises, promotions, all the goodies that you are supposed to get on the end, just keeping your employment uh, first and foremost. But all of those good things are supposed to happen. That's what I mean when I talk about being codified on the job. Uh, I don't 
no, I don't use the term being a warrior on the job. Just that phrasing is uh, it's not clear. I want to make sure that we're being very clear about what we say when we talk about racism on the job. Go ahead, sir. Okay, my bad. I just um, I just think that like the uh, <clears throat> it shouldn't. I don't feel like it should be that hard to. But then again, I like I don't know what it's like in everyone's uh, situations. Like avoiding conflict can be different, difficult. But like, just I don't know. Just avoiding. I guess you guys have already gone gone over it a million times. Avoiding politics and religion and all that jazz. And I don't know. I just. Um. Yeah, I don't really know if I have anything to say. Actually, maybe I I, was, I jumped into that too quickly. Well, I, I normally don't. Like I said, I I normally don't talk about politics, religion, or stuff like that on the job to begin with. I'm, I'm very low-key. Um, unfortunately, people, I guess, are attracted to that, so I find myself in situations where people try to befriend me just out of curiosity. But as far as the white people on the job, okay, the situation, uh, th this is a uh, case in point. Where I sit at, I, I get to view a lot. And basically these outdoor salesmen, they, they had just finished up a meeting. One of the supervisors came in and, and they were talking about some of the black uh, uh, sales uh, personnel and how a lot of times, you know, basically what they have to deal with when they go door to door and selling, you know, uh, you know this, that, and the other. And uh, he was talking about, yeah, he's had to, do some coaching with a couple of uh, his um, workers and letting them know that when they approach a door, you know, just, just you know, I guess this, and, and he's trying to sound as if, you know, again, just like Gus was saying, you know, they try and sound as if they're not racist when in fact they are. And I listened to the conversation because basically what he started to say was, well, um, you know, I, I've had to tell, oh, you know, such and such, yeah, when, you know, just being black, you know, it's, it's hard for you to do door-to-door -door sales. And so I had to, you know, tell him basically when he approaches the door, he has to belittle himself. This is his words. The, he, he advised this uh, black individual to belittle himself, make himself look small. And first of all, when he knocks on the door, he has to immediately um, back up a bit so he doesn't look imposing. To the to the customer who, or whoever's coming to the door, and he has to, in order for to have that greater distance is to make him look smaller than what he is. This is a supervisor saying this to another supervisor, and the whole room was quiet, and I was just sitting there like this. So as he's going on, he's talking about you know yeah because you know you know he's he's you know you know such and such is big black, this, that, and the other, and, you know, he's built, which is he is, and, um, you know, he, you know, we don't want him to, um, you know, he, he has to, you know, belittle himself so that way he, he doesn't look as imposing to customers, you know, uh, you know, make sure that he uses proper grammar and this, that, and the other. So I, I'm just sitting here, I, my head's hurting by this time, and I'm just like, I, you know, I, I hear so much. 
And it's not that I, you know, every time I see an act of racism, oh, I'm to HR because, for one, they don't have an HR department on, on the premises, which is uh, one, one good benefit at this particular company. Uh, but the, the main thing is, is the fact that I work with a lot of non-white black people, which is a far stretch for me because I normally uh, do not like to be in situations like that because uh, the, just the abundance of confusion. And uh, Friday, when because the girl was telling me that Neely Fuller Jr.'s book had came in and that she was excited to read it and thus this, that, and the other. You know, it's like I'm trying to spoon feed people, but at the same time, uh, you know, I I want to, you know, try and help people, but, yeah, I can't even help myself, which is that's a whole other story. But my my biggest thing is the fact that, you know, we 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 just got to do better and deal with our confusion and stop making excuses for white people um, and and not be afraid to call it what it is because I, I think as far as on the job, that's basically what it boils down to. Amen. Got a, Amen. Had an idea. Oh, hang on one second, uh, Mr. Weiss. I think we had one caller that just, a uh, new caller that joined in. Um, I want to get him. I did want to tell listeners, though, if you're ever at a meeting where that sort of thing happens, uh, if it's a white person that's making those sort of comments, you know, this black person, this non-white person needs to lower himself and take a step back and he's a big black guy, you should be taking meticulous notes. Uh, Every sentence, every syllable, every period, every apostrophe, meticulous notes uh, so that you have accurate documentation of everything that was said, even if you never use it, even if you just take it home and put it in a folder and it just sits there for 50 years, that's fine. But get in the habit of documenting that. That way, if something happens and you do at some point decide, I am going to pursue this matter, How, whatever you choose to do uh, internally, if you you know choose to get an attorney or whatever you choose to do, you will have a paper trail. That's something that white people are extremely codified about doing. When they go to bang up, we're going to get this nigga fired. Paper trail. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, he was late that day. Let's write that down. Oh, you got an attitude that day. Let's write that down. That's what they do. We should be doing the exact same thing. And if you can get sometimes Mr. Fuller's even encouraged, get them to sign. If you have a supervisor or a white person like that on a job who's saying things like that or racist jokes or anything in that nature, write it down. And can you sign off on this just to verify that, you know, I, I got exactly what you said should be happening here and what you want me to follow, what you're saying is the protocol uh, for us here at the job. Get them to sign off on it, date it, bam. Uh, and you can just put that in your folder so you'll have it tucked away, and then you can think about it. You can get consultation about what's the best move to make. You will have documentation. So I would encourage even – I know it's frustrating. you got to sit through all that. I put the post on my uh, Facebook page about the black female. She was in a meeting in Australia, and the white guy – they were doing a $6 billion deal, and the white guy's up talking and saying, oh, yeah, we got a nigger in the woodpile. Write it down. <laughs> Write it down. You can be flipping out in your head. Just make sure you get it written down. This was said. Okay. And file it away. Then you can use it as you see fit. Uh, one other quick comment that I did want to get in, just a comment about it shouldn't be that difficult on the job. Um, I strongly disagree. I could not disagree more, uh, and especially given that I did pay attention when the sound clips were playing. Uh, you have a black male who's on his job. 
wasn't doing anything incorrect, wasn't talking about racism, was just going, doing his thing, and he comes, and they have done $300 worth of damage to his vehicle. Spray painting nigger on the vehicle, a noose on the vehicle. Uh, if you remember, I guess, guest down in Oregon, uh, Dow Tucker, where she went to the hospital that's supposed to be a place of healing. She was not Mr. Fuller. She was not going to work uh, with locks and Afrocentric clothing. She was not trying to pass out uh, the ISIS papers or Mr. Fuller's work or quoting Dr. Cam Bond. She wasn't doing any of that. She was just going on her job, and a bullet is on her desk with leave or die nigger. These are just two examples out of many. There are plethoras of black people who are going to work every day and being terrorized for nothing. They didn't do anything just because white people are trifling and racist. And I think this is an astronomical problem worldwide. Uh, if you remember the book Almost British, uh, where we had a black female in the U.K., same thing. And she worked with the prison system where the white people terrorized her and put her office on the bottom floor in the basement away from everybody. She also was not going to work to be rowdy, point fingers at all the white people and call them racist. She was just getting terrorized and didn't even know what the problem was. What is going on here? It took her, I think she said, months to even figure out and to be honest, as Princess said, that, oh, it's just these white people practicing white supremacy. That's what it is. So I just want to make sure that that is in for the record. I don't think the problem is that most black people are going and trying to be rowdy and promoting racism, white supremacy on the job. I think most uh, most victims, most black people are going to the job totally confused and getting annihilated day after day, year after year, generation after generation, which is why I think this is extremely important to talk about on a regular basis and to develop proper codification to minimize all the abuse and trauma we encounter on the job. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Thursday, March 15th, 2018. So I have been told this is our weekly forum on neutralizing workplace racism. Uh, certainly, if we have uh, black entrepreneurs uh, or any folks, period, non-white listeners who have figured out. This is what to do on the job so that you can be on what they call easy street. You have a great office, great salary with lots of zeros on your check or on your direct deposit, whatever it is, uh, where you get all your vacation days, sick days, personal leave. If you need a transfer, no problem, no questions asked, uh, no signs that you are in any danger uh, of losing your position or being demoted. Uh, you can put your feet up, work comfortably for the next 15, 20 years, whenever you're ready to retire. If we have any listeners who figured out how to put themselves in that position, you should be one of the first people to dial in with specific details on how other black people can mirror your success. The number 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. As always, uh, if we have black folks who are having any difficulties on the job, uh, problems, 
uh, you would like counter racist suggestions, certainly dial in. We'll offer feedback. Number 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Certainly, as always, if you're not able to call in during the live broadcast and you just want to uh, write, you can email untiljustice at gmail.com. If you have a situation, you can write in and we can share it that way. Uh, Or uh, if you have commentary on what's being discussed on the broadcast, you can email and we will make sure to share. I also want to make sure I emphasize this is not a broadcast for spectators. Uh, There's lots of entertaining things going on. We just got uh, daylight saving time, so it should be uh, a lot lighter later into the evening. So you could be outside frolicking, getting some exercise. The NCAA tournament, it's Thursday night. I think they still got uh, TGI Thursday and what have you, Shondaland and all that good stuff. Lots of things that you could be doing if you just want to kick back and spectate. This uh, is about active participation in trying to solve problems codify our behavior uh, with regards to employment, uh, the area of labor. Uh, So certainly if you are a non-white person, if you have a work history, I am sure you can reflect on things that have happened to you on the job, both when you were confused and since you've been learning. Always, I think, helpful to reflect and share things from our work experience. I think we uh, do have younger listeners who appreciate hearing the types of things that they should be on the lookout for. Uh, I think one of the things I've concluded, racists, they seem to have a code for what they do on the job. You see a lot of repetition, so it can be helpful to kind of know what to be prepared for. Uh, I can share this week uh, Gus T. Renegade's own workplace racism. Uh, The broadcast from this past Sunday, we had uh, Cheryl Ray Moses on the broadcast. She is the founder of Urban Media Makers in Georgia, and she also launched the Come Meet a Black Person project, got a lot of attention in many, many media outlets uh, across the country right at the end of 2017. She was on the program this past Sunday. She did not stay very long. Uh, Conflict ensued around uh, definition of racism. Uh, and us having different definitions of racism, white supremacy, surprise. Uh, But workplace, that for me, workplace racism, because hosting this broadcast, that is my job, uh, and dealing with another non-white person on the job. uh, I think it's very, very important uh, in terms of counter-racism. I think it's important to have uh, in your code How are you going to deal with conflict with another non-white person on the job? Uh, Mr. Edward Williams, he addresses that in his book. He's been with us before, counter-racism.com. He addresses that uh, in his code book. We talked about that on the program. Uh, It's not, you know, because uh, that exchange for the people that listen to it, uh, I didn't call her a bunch of names and curse her out and do all that. Uh, I didn't do all that because... I'm a nice guy. I didn't do that because uh, we reconciled uh, later on. Uh, I didn't do any of those things because all of that violates my counter-racist code with regards to 
dealing with other non-white people, certainly in a workplace capacity, which hosting this broadcast is for me, uh, that just totally violates the code. Uh, cursing her out or being rude or if we have a disagreement and uh, trying to score points, uh, going back and forth with insults, uh, that does not solve any problems. I talked about this last week for me, where I've been talking about this for a while. For me, the core aspect of counter-racism on the job, uh, really, period, is solving problems without creating new problems, not just looking for mischief anytime that it comes up, not just looking for uh, conflict uh, and certainly not responding emotionally. I think sometimes we get in trouble, uh, I think, particularly with non-white people, uh, particularly with with how we engage with other black people, sometimes on the job uh, and taking things personal. It's not personal. I know Mr. Fuller quotes from the Godfather all the time, but I mean, it's really when you're on the job to the best of your ability, I think we should really remind ourselves things that happen here on the job. This is not personal. This is business. And I have a counter racist code for how I'm going to go about dealing with things. Again, that doesn't mean that you are a robot. Certainly you have uh, feelings. And when we're being terrorized and abused on the job, certainly you take that personal the abuse that you experience but the response is not going to be personal the response is going to be thought out logical counter-racist logic being applied to the response so that it works out to the best of your benefit really want to make sure i emphasize that and i can share from my own personal experience because that's exactly what i was thinking and even even as i stated on sometime on sunday sometimes the application is not the best you know some days you're better than others. Some days you're a little tired. Some days you don't have the same uh, patience that we you know, would on, on other days. But you try, you know, at least going in, this is what I am attempting to do. And I can think about it, process later on and see how I can can make improvements. But I just I think that's important. A lot of times in the workplace, particularly if you work with other black people and there are white people around, a lot of times if there's conflict between non-white people uh, at at minimum, this becomes entertainment for race soldiers. Uh, at worst, race soldiers are instigating and participating in and, and just finding other ways to terrorize and uh, orchestrate the situation. So really, to the best of your ability, try to make that a focal point or at least a, a core component of your workplace counter-racism code. This is how I'm going to deal with other non-white people in this workspace to make sure that I am minimizing conflict to the best of my ability. Right on. Uh, update said before, if you participate, if you call in, if you write in on the program, give us an update. It's helpful. We are all still learning. Gusty Renegade included uh, in terms of what things work well on the job to get problems solved, what things don't work so well, language to use, just, you know, getting more techniques uh, for our tool bag. Uh, a few weeks back, we had a black female, she wrote in, she was talking about uh, in her workplace, uh, she works in like a, a legal setting. Uh, the race soldiers were being tacky and doing a lot of different things. One specific issue was that uh, a race soldier was bringing in a dog uh, and there was even talk of of having the dog there on a regular basis. And this black female, like a typical, logical, hardworking employee, someone Augusty uh, can relate to, is not feeling the, this canine. It's like, you know, we need to get him uh, out of here. And we talked about it a few weeks back. Mr. Edward Williams was here. I think we ta uh, we, we said uh, check the policy and procedure 
manual uh, to see if they even have something, uh, a stipulation about whether or not you can have animals in the workplace. Uh, I think there were a few other suggestions about going to HR uh, to address the matter. We wrote in and got the update. She said, uh, to be clear, the office where I work shares the space with another law firm, and it is the lawyers from the other law firm who are bringing their dogs to the office. However, I skipped HR and I went to the owner of the firm who I report to. He contacted the partners of the other firm and within two days, the problem was solved. He even informed me that it is in the lease that no dogs are allowed in the office. I am sure if I did not make a fuss, the practice would have continued. Anyway, problem solved. Lassie stays home. We have uh, younger listeners. Lassie is a canine from a television show from way, way 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 back google it uh but that is great and again even though this was not policy and procedure it was in the lease that the canine was not there still there was written policy uh written regulations that were forbidding this and we've talked about this before uh that's another great reason why it's so important to read policy and procedure because racist man racist woman racist child they are the big, biggest rule breakers in the universe you will find consistently they are violating their own policies on the job all the time at least that's been my experience and you won't know this if you don't know the policy and i've said that before once you read that policy then you go on the job you can just make observations you can write that down you can put that in your workplace journal that oh man i'm seeing all kinds of violations like what type of application of policy and procedure is going on here is there equal application of policy and procedure where everybody can flaunt these rules or can pick and choose which rule they want to abide by which ones they want to ignore only can do that when you know what the policy and procedure is and then just being alert to what's happening around you but i'm glad this issue was resolved might even be a good idea if you have access to check out the lease uh, for your particular office space, because uh, there might be additional rules that could be helpful to you, like was the case uh, with the scenario that we got uh, from our listener right here. Uh, anywho, I'm not going to read the entire article, but there was a report in the New Pittsburgh uh, Courier, Importance of Black Journalism, uh, where they were talking about uh, a lawsuit. This was uh, just from this week, a lawsuit uh, where a black male uh, University of Pennsylvania police officer filed a racial discrimination lawsuit uh, where he's saying that he thinks it is racist that they are requiring employees uh, or forbidding them uh, from having facial hair. Uh, and they had data that uh, black males uh, get disproportionately higher rates uh, of razor bumps and agitation from having to shave, particularly some sort of uh, a closer uh, shave. Uh, and some more black males might be resistant to that sort of thing and might be more prone to growing a beard or having facial hair. Uh, so he had the, the medical data uh, to support this. And there had been other trials uh, about this. Uh, the Atlanta Police Department had a, a similar case, but we were talking about hair issues last week on the job. And I think often uh, it's black females that a lot of attention is focused on, rightly so, about racism, white supremacy, and their issues. But apparently this is a problem for black males as well. I certainly have heard the cornrows and locks being an issue, but this is 
might be one of the few times, I won't say first, but this is uh, one of the few times where I've heard something about a beard uh, being an issue on a job and now this even being a lawsuit and, and several suits. As I said, the Atlanta Police Department had an issue with this as well. Myself being someone who also has had a beard for a number of years, uh, this is one that kind of hits hits close to home. I don't, I throughout my work career, I think I've most of the time had a beard. I don't recall that being uh, a problem at any point uh i'm thinking i'll think on it as we as we go through the broadcast but i don't recall anyone ever saying anything that i should shave or it being a problem or any anything of that nature i'll think on it uh any of the the black males that are listening in on the broadcast uh facial hair has that ever been an issue in the workplace, uh, either commentary or someone saying it's a problem, you got to shave, that sort of thing? Denied employment, people telling you in order to get a job, you're going to have to shave. I heard a lot of that, even though I never, to my knowledge, had it be an issue, but I did hear a lot of that. Any black males who have commentary on that, feel free. Uh, the number again, 641 Four zero the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate. Uh, folks who dialed in, if you have uh, commentary observations, if you have figured out some problem solving techniques, great. Feel free. Uh, if you have a hand up, line should be open. Can I'll be heard. Yes, can be heard. Sir. All right. Uh, greetings to Gus, all the listeners and callers. Um, so, the workplace uh, racism experience has been um, kind of crazy. So, um, a few weeks before we had the athlete come to um, my job, I had um, it's kind of embarrassing. Uh, feel a little bit of shame, but um, at the same time, mentally sane. Um, so I had an issue a few weeks ago where I had um a suspected racist about maybe about six three, two hundred and sixty something pounds, try to physically move me out of the way, and I'm about uh five seven, one hundred and sixty something pounds. Um. So he, I was walking across, pulling a cart, and he basically tried to push between me and the cart. And um, when he did that, <laughs> I turned around, and I asked him, what was he doing? And he was like, oh, I need to get through here. And I was like, that's not the way you do it. So I moved my arm, I let go of the cart, and he went between um, me and the cart. And he was coming, when he went to walk back through, I, um, I looked at him and I said, look, this is not how, how you're going to do things. I was like, next time, excuse yourself. He mumbled something and walked off. And when he did this, we were on a production line where there's a whole bunch of his buddies around. Um, I don't smoke. So when he, I seen him go outside toward the smoke area, um, I followed, well, I didn't follow him directly outside. I waited a while, then I went outside. And then um, basically, without asking him directly, I, I asked him, um, if he wanted to fight without 
without being direct toward to um to him. So I was I pretended I was on the phone and I was like, yeah, you know, um, it's a lot of people acting tough, but when when they get outside, they don't want to fight. And I'm I'm looking at him directly in his face, and then he's like looking like when he noticed it, he looked down at the ground. And he didn't say anything. He moved over where uh, the rest of the white people was at. Then I went back inside the building. Um, then a few days after that, I noticed, like, whenever they're in their quote-unquote crew or their clique or whatever, um, they, they get emboldened. Um, so one day I went home, and I was extremely stressed out. And I felt like I couldn't take any more. And I wasn't going to take any more. So I just prepared the next day for any and everything. Um, and I notified family members and I said, look, this is the last day I'm going to deal with racism. And this is it. I don't care about anything that happens from here on out. If you guys never hear from me again, this is information that you need to know. And I gave them all, all the information, um, so like life insurance and stuff like that. And I sent the text message out to all my siblings, um, and my sister called me, and she was like, um, don't do anything stupid. Like, they're just going to continue to do what they're doing or whatever. And um, thankfully for the cows, because, um, like I said, I, I had to deal with this stuff for like six years in. So I was like, I'm not going to deal with it anymore. And then... Is like stressful on the job and then outside the job dealing with white people. So I, I just basically had a, a, a point in my breaking point where I was like, it, no more. So um, she said, and she don't listen to the cows, but she hear me talk about the cows a lot. She said, well, what would the people from the radio show think if you do something stupid? What would Dr. Wilson think? And then that, that got me to thinking, and I was like, you know what, man, I, I can't, I can't afford to throw a lot, throw everything that I've learned away, because that's basically what I'll be doing. So, um, I heard people talk about anger on on the Saturday program, and then I was just thinking about that incident, and um, what I've been doing since that day is listening to um, specific music like uh, Fela Kuti. Bob Marley. I might listen to um, old old programs of Dr. Wilson, uh, Neely Fuller, uh, The Cows, um, and also I've been listening to motivational speakers. I think one is called uh, one of the guys is Eric Thomas, a black guy, and another guy, a black guy, is uh, Les Brown, and that's been helping me out a lot. Um, like they they still make like jungle noises and do weird things. But everything that I've been doing, um, and then along with um, working out, thanks to Emmy, I started working out again. So um, I started working out. I'm listening to the motivational speeches, and it doesn't affect me as much as it did. And um, day by day, I'm learning how to deal with it and stay codified. And that's pretty much it. Because can I make a comment? Hmm. I, um, yes, you can. I just wanted to get a quick uh, question in. The caller, you said you felt ashamed when you started with the anecdote about the race soldier who 
physically assaulted you in the hallway? Why did you, I don't know if the shame was pertaining to that incident, but why did you feel ashamed? Well, the reason why I felt ashamed is because, um, like I said, I, I've been listening to the cows for a while, and this is what you should expect. So um, I felt ashamed because I felt like the people that I'm telling to stay on the, on the right path and I'm trying to stay, tell them to stay codified, I felt like at that moment I kind of let them down. And had I would have proceeded to do something stupid, I would have really let a lot of people down. Um, and then I, for for a second, like I I didn't I didn't know exactly how to feel. Um, so yeah, I just kind of felt the same. Like man, it, like I I shouldn't let these people get to me because this has been going on for for a long time. And I mean, people on a on a plantation had to deal with this, so. I mean, I, I just have to figure out a better way to cope with it. Kudos to your female partner who does not listen to the cows, but employed counter-racist logic to ask a great question. Phenomenal job to her. Thomas in New York, I'll get your comment. I just did want to say that I think that's very serious if it gets to a point, you or anybody else, if it gets to a point where you feel like I can't take it anymore and I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And, you know, whatever happens today, you know, I'm I'm not going to going to deal with it when you feel like you reach what they call the breaking point. That is a very dangerous place um, because that's where exactly what I was talking about before. You might not have the same patience once you get to that point where you feel you've kind of reached that threshold where you put up with something and put up with something and you're getting angry, you're getting frustrated about it. Uh, that is a very dangerous place where you might not necessarily make the best decisions, uh, where you might do something where, okay, you're upset and you might be okay with how things uh, were resolved today or how you responded today. But a year from now, when you are not in the same emotional place that you are right now, frustration or anger, are you going to have the same thoughts about how things transpire today? Maybe. Maybe not. That's been my experience. Very dangerous if you can take mental health time, if that means taking a day or two off from work, do so. I know for some of us that might be difficult to do. Uh, I would really take that seriously. Um, I mean, if it gets to a point where you're having to contact family members and giving them your information and if something goes down, this is what it's related to. In my view, you do not need to go to work that day. Um, that's a very extremely dangerous place to be. Uh, and that's like acute mental health crisis, I would say, even though I do not qualify as a mental health professional. I'll hush there. Thomas in New York, did you have a, a comment or question? Um, oh, this one, um, I do have a comment. I do want, uh, want to know the person's age. I'm uh, 34. 34. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Well, my comment is um, it's pretty simple, man. I this is my own way of handling things like this because I've I've made up in my mind years ago that every single white person on this planet is a racist, and anytime they do something to confirm that, 
it makes me so happy. I don't even get mad at him. I'm, I'm, last thing I'm think, last thing you ever want to do is um get in a fight with white people um in public because everyone's gonna be on their side. Black people and the white people and the police and everyone else that comes along. You know, um, if you're getting the best of that, that white person, the black people will be trying to jump in to help them. They've been trained on uh, socially conditioned to do that. Never let yourself get to that emotional state going forward in your life. Uh, only deal with white people in a physical confrontation and self-defense um, type of scenario. But um, you have to uh, go through life, and I think that you've learned this, uh, expecting the very worst from these people at all times. And... So that way, when it happens, it doesn't surprise you. You don't have an emotional response. Just chop it up to, like, I knew it, and keep it moving. Because any scenario where it's physical with them in public is a loss for you. And um, potentially, you could lose your life. Um, as you know, race soldiers will automatically assume that you're the person, even if it's a homeless white person, you're the aggressor. You could have on a $3,000 suit, but you're the, bat, you're the black guy. And I'm going to see This incident reminded me of Thomas in New York's incident from last week where he was going down the hall and I think he was lugging a box or whatever, something office related, had his hands full going down the office hallway and the white guy came and grabbed his groin or grabbed at his uh, groin area and said, oh man, I was just trying to zip your fly up. You know, I saw you had your, your hands, well, just trying to help out. You know, they, they say, uh, White people don't help out, just trying to give a helping hand. Delectable Negro. Reminds me of that um, in workplace situations uh, where whites will try to take advantage. Uh, I think in that particular instance, uh, Thomas in New York had his hands full, uh, so he couldn't defend himself. Uh, I got easy access. I can grab at his groin area and nothing he can do about it. Uh, this situation, I'm a, I think he said that this guy was big, like 6'3", pretty big guy. You're not as tall as him, not as big as him, significantly smaller. Hey, I'm intimidating. I'm big and physical. I could just grab him and throw him, you know, out of the way. And imagine if that were the other way around, that uh, scenario. If it, I think Thomas in New York said he's a bigger guy. Imagine if he had been like Thomas in New York size, a big black guy, and you have a smaller white guy that's like 5'7", and the black guy just goes and grabs him and throws him in the hallway. They would have, they would have pepper sprayed him, maced him, black identity. Anyway, uh, that sort of thing I would put in the in the uh, journal, and any sort of physical contact I would take that extremely serious. That's the sort of thing, in my view, that uh, tends to escalate. I think we talked about this before. Uh, race soldiers, they're bullies. Uh, like, oh, okay, if we can do this, do a little bit more. Uh, we're able to grab him in the groin today. Who knows what we do tomorrow? We're able to come in and grab him in the hallway today. Who knows? That might be a daily thing of just coming and placing hands, placing hands and just being more and more violent, sadistic uh, with it. This is, I think, <clears throat> retired firefighter. We talked before about the incident uh, where the firefighters, they were putting their genitals uh, on a black person's head. I mean, it's just there are no limits. Uh, any sort of physical contact that I think HV, I don't, I'll take a bad, I don't know if it's HV or not. I think it was HV though. The code that she's developing about no touching at all in the workplace. Great. I don't have a problem with that at all with, I mean, with the type of, of antics that we experience, take it very serious. And I would immediately, that is not acceptable at all. Do not ever 
put your hands on me in that man on the workplace. The way you did it is fine, but just just saying, make sure that you have a coat because it sounds like with what we talked about yesterday, the bombs in Texas, increasing direct racist aggression. I would take any sort of placing of hands in the workplace extremely serious. Uh, I would have my verbiage down immediately. Write that down. This is not going to be acceptable if you want to go report it uh, to other folks as well. But I mean, any sort of, of unwanted touching in the workplace, whether it's sexual or not. Uh, let's see. Are there any other folks have questions or comments on what our call is dealing with here? Soon, folks don't have suggestions just again for the anger thing i would take that really serious uh and if you're not able to get time from work really make time to do other activities i'm so happy i know emmy would be so happy as well to hear you're exercising uh and you know listening to constructive sounds music lectures uh, motivational speakers, just finding things that are constructive people. sounds like your partner is a, a healthy, constructive influence, spending time uh, with people that are constructive, avoiding people maybe who try your patients, who maybe tend to name call or uh, be into discourteous things, uh, maybe not spending as much time around them because you know you're already having difficulties. And certainly I would uh, avoid to the best of your ability outside of work, I would avoid any unnecessary contact with whites to the best of your ability. Uh, if we don't have any comments or suggestions from the call uh, on what we just heard, uh, if other folks who dialed in, if you have uh, your own situation that you want to address, line should be open, feel free. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes, uh, the uh, the uh, last testimony testimony uh, was uh, confirms the importance of programs such as this uh, and how important they are. And uh, I am also uh gratified for the uh, female friend uh that he uh that he has uh it appears that uh she was just using logical uh you know logical sense and uh it uh just goes to show if a person is actually you know a non white person is doing thinking they can help another non-white person, even in times as uh, catastrophic as the one that he w was experiencing. Uh, because I've actually uh, have seen situations very similar to what he was explaining go in another direction, where the person actually uh, answered to uh, what his... Uh, uh, hurt was so uh, good, good, good uh, 
in constructive uh, situations with this program and how it helps other people. Uh, I think you were talking about uh, uh, hair with uh, black males. Uh, I have a classic uh, uh, instance. It did take place with me directly, uh, but he was one of the uh, one of the three uh, non-white black males who were uh, uh, was a part of what Mr. Clark was uh, explaining when he appeared on your program. He was one of those three uh, non-white black males. Uh, this was an earlier uh, incident involving him, and I believe the the uh, hairstylist called a lip beard. And if anybody doesn't know what a lip beard is, it's, it's uh, the growing of hair underneath your lower lip, uh, which is uh, uh, something that is uh, practiced by a lot of black males uh, and uh, this gentleman uh, he showed up to to work well, he, well you don't just show up to work it, it actually it grows and uh, uh, and it's typical what takes place uh, on the on the fire department because I experienced it also they would uh, especially if you, you understand I don't, it takes you know a certain period of time to grow you know, hair. And uh, anyway, uh, he was asked to go home or something like that to take care of it. And he he uh, he uh, refused to shave it. Uh, and in turn, uh, I can't recall exactly on what process he went through. But I think it has something to do with uh, the actual rules itself, number one, did not reflect on what he was being asked to do and or ordered to do. And as a lot of callers can figure out, some white people was doing the same thing. <laughs> so, uh, in other words, it goes back to uh, uh, Mr. Williams' uh, uh, suggestions in his uh, his book. No, but not Mr. Williams' book, but... Uh, uh, Mr. Fuller's, Mr. Fuller's book about the uh, uh, equal protection of the law and due process. And uh, that is something that it's almost, it's almost to the letter uh, with the system of racist white supremacists. They're always going to go against that. <laughs> in, in other words, the, the, their rule is don't do as I do, do as I say, boy, gal. You know that sort of thing because they always are, they always are contradicting to what they would like a non-white person to do. They they not only if it's something incorrect, then they are not only doing it; they're doing it to the capacity that we couldn't possibly keep up with, such as murder. You know that sort of thing, and uh, in turn they just decided to let it go, and uh, in turn. Because I didn't have a lip beard before then, but because because this gentleman uh, had a, a level of success in what he was doing, and to honor him, I I started growing a lip beard. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that 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 was my experience with that with that the hair thing. Uh, it, it's quite prominent on the fire department because the so-called experts, and they are white, uh, have determined that uh, the shield that we wear. 
you know, when you go inside of a fire, which is vital to, to, to your life, preserving your life. Uh, because people die in fires primarily not because of the, 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 uh, the flame and the heat. You die from the, the uh, poisoning from the smoke. Uh, that uh, the, the face shield that we have to uh, breathe when we go into a fire uh, in order to have a, uh, the best possible shield. Uh, you shouldn't have hair uh, in and around the outer edges of your face. So that's why they have this rule in the first place about shaving. And I would uh, uh, just uh, listen to everybody else. Thank you. Appreciate that, retired firefighter. Have a lit beard now. Uh, other folks <clears throat> uh, who doubt the policy and procedure, appreciate that. And like I said, if you pay attention, you will see there might be, you know, many aspects. Could be the whole policy and procedure. You know, they enforce it willy nilly. I've seen that at times as well. But make sure you read it. I've seen that just in my view, that puts you in a much stronger uh, position. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, uh, if you have commentary on what we've heard thus far, or if you have your own situation you want to share, line should be open. Proceed. Now we here. Greetings, HV. Greetings, Gus, and greetings to all the callers and listeners while I'm on the line. Um, and uh, you were right, Gus, though, that it was me who have the uh, no touching at all um, cold for just white people in general, be it on the job or anywhere else. Um, I wanted to speak on the, the, the caller who talked about, you know, his breaking point. I don't have any advice. I wish I did, but I don't have any because I don't know how to manage my anger either. Um, I was the one who um, talked about having a, a program on that because I have such a struggle with that. Um, I'm even scared even right now to even really share my my feelings on white people, but I'm going to go ahead. I, I hate racists, and I, and I believe that the vast majority of white people are, so when I see them, I just get really upset. And something recently that I saw, I don't remember what it was that happened, but whatever it was, um, it just increased my anger even more, and I just always had that. And even a little suspected race soldier today um, approached me while I was at the grocery store, and I was uh, even mad at him. And um, he was talking to some cops that was in the in the grocery store, and I just kept on moving down like away more and more away from them um, because it's where you kind of bag your own stuff. And it seemed like he kept on coming toward me, and then eventually he um, got close to me and, and asked me if I needed some help, and I just said, uh, no, sir. But what I want to say about this situation um, is that, you know, thank you so much for considering us and, um, you know, all the other people that you considered, you know, to not, you know, put yourself in danger because I think you said it was your sister, but I could be incorrect. The person who advised you to think about what we might think and, you know, your loved ones may think um, to just be totally transparent when you were sharing, like, I cried, like, it. I, I shed some tears over that because I know how you feel. Like, I know how you feel to just be really sick of these people and sick of this system and sick of just this, this condition that, that we're in. Um, and so I, I really, you know, feel your pain and your anger and all that. Um, and I know we're two different people, but as much as I can, I, I, I feel, you know, 
how you feel. Um, and I just, uh, I'll, I'll just be, be praying for you. And um, I just, I just hope that uh, it. Uh, thank you so much, Eva, for sharing, because what this does is this helps me to really. I will think of this experience this night when I feel exactly how you felt of just that breaking point where you just want to do something to these people. Um, I don't know if you were referring to that or doing something to yourself, but I know for me, I'd be wanting to do something to these people. So that's all I had, and I'm in my mind. And and one more thing, what I think what Gus said and, and the firefighter, what they said and their advice and everything was, was excellent. Um, and that's all I had, and I'm in my mind. Thanks for taking my call, Gus. Yes, ma'am. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, well, thank you uh, for those words, and um, that's exactly how I feel. Um, every time I encounter white people, I, I just get enraged, and um, I actually was thinking about doing something to someone, um, mainly the people who are, who are tormenting me on a daily basis, and um, at that point, like I said. I was willing to deal with whatever came after that. Um, but thankfully, I, I um, had people, you know, in my corner to get me back on the right track. So hopefully I, I can help a lot of uh, more non-white people stay codified and help them on the journey to, to, to keep moving forward whenever they have um, these type of feelings. And um, that's all. Gus, may I quickly reply really quick? I reckon. Okay, I just wanted to uh, clarify that while I mentioned about the, the tears that I shed over the over what you shared tonight is that that I'm trying to tell you how some of us, at least me, how I would feel if, you know, something happened to you over these over these, these terrorists. And when I said the little race soldier that I dealt with today or suspected race soldier, he was a kid, and so that's why I said that. And I'll mute my line. Also, um... Thomas, too, the things that he said tonight, I thought was excellent. Everybody who gave advice so far, and I'll mute my line. Appreciate that. Uh, caller who dialed in on the uh, vote line, female caller, uh, we can hear you. Did you have commentary you wanted to share, ma'am? Hello, good afternoon. This is Helen from New York. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Oh, um, hi. Um, I'm from New York, and my workplace um, racism experience has left me sad, hopeless, and I really thank you, Gus, for this podcast and allowing us to express ourselves. Um, my white boss, he hired a non-white black person who was very um, abusive, verbally abusive and unprofessional, and this went on for a long time. And when I spoke to, I wrote everything down, like from listening to the show. And when I spoke to my white boss about my coworker who was verbally abusive, um, his advice was to ignore it. He said that this person is trying to rile us up to get us into an argument so that we could be fired. So don't allow it, ignore him, and you know uh, everything will be okay. I, I thought that was bad advice. I think he should have spoke to this person, the coworker, but he didn't do it. This went on for months, and then um, um, one day it got so bad that we, me and the coworker were walking past each other, 
and he bumped me. He purposely took his shoulder and pushed it against me. Like, he bumped me so hard that I had to step backwards. And from that, I, I called the police and uh, got a report and everything. That's why I called the police. And um, my boss, he didn't fire me, but he told me not to come into work. And he didn't explain why. He didn't say I was fired. So when I called him a couple of days later, I was like, okay, what's going on? Like, are you dealing with the situation? He wouldn't answer me. Come to find out, a week, um, so a week I went without working, and then um, he moved me. Uh, he called me up, and he said that he's relocated me to another office away from this coworker. And the coworker is still there. And now I'm no longer working with the coworker, which is fine, and, you know, the situation is better. But I, I felt like I was being penalized for calling the police for a situation that he knew about. And, you know, even when I used to complain to him and tell him, you know, what report, what was going on, like, I would notice that he would have, like, a little snicker, like, like he was holding in a smile. And that's when I was like, you know what, this is workplace racism. And um, that's all I want to share. Um, what, what are your thoughts on it? Do you see this at or no? You said, do you, um, can you just repeat your question, ma'am? Oh, I want to know what what are your thoughts on on the experience? Like, do you see that? Do you see that as workplace racism or no? Am oh, I crazy? Okay. <laughs> well, uh, to the final question, I don't know. Uh, I've heard that from many uh, Cal's listeners, and uh, all I can say is Gus T might be crazy as well. So, all of the crazy people might have just gathered on one podcast. But uh, to the rest of it, uh, it certainly sounds uh, like. The usual suspects, white supremacy, racism, uh, as predicted. Uh, I think a lot of times in these type of situations where you have the person who is in charge, whites, they can hire a non-white person to be abusive and nasty and rude uh, to the other non-whites. And we've talked about this throughout the years uh, where it seems that often exactly what you're reporting where this uh, race soldier is kind of half swallowing a snicker as you report, man, he's terrorizing us. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know. I told him to do that exactly. I told him to go in there and give it to her. <laughs> That's probably exactly what it is because uh, we've heard a lot of reports that it seems to be this sort of thing happens frequently. Uh, and the white person who was in charge, I'm just helpless. I just don't know what to tell you. Can't seem to get this thing uh, solved. You know, we'll just have to ignore it and do the best we can. Go back out and soldier on <laughs> like you hired this mm-hmm. person. Like you could get this uh-huh. problem solved in five minutes. Uh, standard, in my view, standard workplace racism. Uh, I think in these sort of situations, that's why I said at the beginning of the program, it's very important to have a code about how you deal with non-white people in the workplace. I know some people say, hey, uh, when it comes to uh, on the job, I treat non-white people and racists the same. Some of our listeners, that's their code. Other times, hey, this is a non-white person. I'm not going to treat you like a race soldier, but I am not going to allow this to become a problem for me. Uh, We've talked about if they're being rude uh, to document what they're saying. That can be really powerful in email. 
uh, if they're being nasty and rude and you can, you know, document and quote what they said and then you can CC uh, your boss and other people. Is this appropriate for the workplace or, you know, whatever it is. That way other people are being able to see exactly what was said uh, that some people have said that that can be effective to mitigate some of that discourteous behavior. Uh, did Oh, and the despair, I thought that was important too. The despair, I think that is, is so uh, important because I think often the system of white supremacy, race soldiers, they deliberately construct environments to have that sort of impact on us, our mental health, where we feel despair and hopelessness. I mm -hmm. think that's what you said at the very beginning of your response. Right? Yes. I mean, they, that yes, sort of, correct. I think that gets done deliberately, particularly, I think, in environments like at school, on the job, uh, other places as well. But those two in particular, uh, and I think I said either last week or earlier this month uh, that I think race soldiers, they probably sit down with the pen and a pad on the lunch break sometimes and say, you know, we're going to get 45 percent of our niggers to quit by the end of the fiscal year. And, you know, we'll just all go to work and do various things to get on their nerves. And I'm sure we'll get 45 percent of them out of here by June. Uh, I'm sure that that happens. And I mean, this sort of thing could be part of that. It could take a whole lot of different forms, but setting up an environment that everything about it is just designed to have you hopeless, upset, angry, frustrated, in despair uh, about things that are happening to you. And I think just as Thomas said, I think, number one, understanding that could be exactly what this is, understanding and expecting white people to be racist and then having logical responses as opposed to the emotional response of, you know, I'm sad that we're not friends or I can't believe this being shocked. That happens so often being surprised about things. I am prepared for this and I'm thinking of ways to permanently solve these problems where it's, I know this is racism, white supremacy. This is a part of what I will be doing my daily activities, countering the race soldiers I'm in the cubicle next to. Uh, did other folks have any suggestions comments from we just heard from a female caller in new york i have a yes. question yes. go ahead firefighter thank you ma'am uh, uh yes it's actually is an old strategy uh you can you can go back to uh the time of a uh of uh, uh back in let's say the 1800s where they would have a uh uh big slave uh that would uh that would be the person who is beating uh carrying out the uh punishment for massa uh i can recall of studying the documentary eyes on the prize and the young uh people who were going to jail uh with the idea of mine of uh putting an end to the system of race of white supremacy when they went into jail they was met by a big bur a big burly uh black male who would purposely put them in the cell with this person to beat them up that sort of thing and he he would he would he would inform them that he was being made to do it because if he doesn't do it then they're going to make sure that they would harm him uh that sort of thing so and and, and I don't see it any different uh, into uh on jobs at where where that where that happens uh uh when i first got on on the job they have this they have this tradition this thing that's called uh talking about a quote unquote rookie and i always took it 
I always took it uh, in its negative form uh, and not played into it. And uh, and the first person they sent to try to uh, deal with me was a non-white black male. Uh, and but basically, uh, my suggestion on what I did, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily recommend it uh, on this program. Uh, but uh, I did uh, manage to uh, uh, create a situation where as uh, he uh, quickly uh, thought of another thing to do during this 24 hours than to uh, bother me. But uh, yes, it, it is an old uh, strategy uh, that uh, no, white people use uh, against us. And, it, it, and yes, that's all I have to say. Thank you. HV, were you going to? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, you're fine. Um, I'm, I'm a little confused. Um, did I hear that the lady caller called the cops on a non-white person and a racist actually got upset about that and decided to penalize her for it? Did I hear that correctly? Yes, you did. Okay. My question to the lady caller, to anyone on the line, to Gus, is does anybody have any idea as to why that would upset a racist for a non-white person to call the cops on another non-white person, I'm just really confused. In that sense, he didn't expect. Oh, go ahead, ma'am. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, um, I think my boss was um, upset and bothered by the fact that I called the police and that the police came into the office, so it draws attention to the office. He didn't expect it to get that far. He didn't expect me, the boss, the white boss, didn't expect me to go that far as to call the police. But once, you know, once my coworker, I feel, uh, assaulted me, you know, by bumping me so hard I had to fall back. I was like, no, I, I need to get this on paper. You know, I, I wrote down, you know, every incident, of course, but um, I need also the authorities to also have an, a report as well. I agree with her assessment completely. Uh, and also, I think <clears throat> that could have been uh, perceived as, you know, who is this nigra to call in an outside authority? This here is, you know, my plantation, our plantation. We're in charge. They like to I think the way they say it is we like to handle these things internally. Uh, and then you go in and call the police, no less. Like, my God, like I could I could easily see why a race soldier in, in that sort of context would be very upset uh, about enforcement officials being called in about a dispute between their niggers. That all just made me think of something that another thing that they, that the race soldier could have been upset about is that the action that she took can be extremely powerful and effective to shutting that kind of behavior down and trying to possibly go and get another non-white person to assault a non-white person and you want to you know take it that far and she does something that could really shut that down i could see how that could make a race soldier upset but if anyone else has any other reasons as well i'd love to hear them. i'll mute my line it's keeping a record also and, and, and she did the right thing I think she did. I, I know she did the right thing because it's also keeping a record with that person directly. Uh, the female caller. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were done. I'm sorry. Retired I was just going to say when you get it, when you get it, I'm just going to add on when you get a police report. That's a record. That's it. 
my bad. Uh, female caller in New York, uh, looking at at how things evolved, and you said you felt like you were penalized, like you you know been banished. I mean, yes, you you're not having to work with this person anymore, non-white person uh, who was verbally abusive, uh, physically abusive as well. Uh, but you know, you've been outcast. Uh, do you? Would you call the police again? Do you think that was the correct thing to to do? The correct way to handle that situation? Yes, I would. Um, only thing I didn't care for is um, the the weeks of the week one week of pay that I lost out of the situation. But um, yes, I would call the police again if I'm assaulted. Yes. Mm. Oh, and this is one who suggested the White Allies Toolkit um, oh. in Queens. <laughs> That's me. Okay. I joined all of the White Allies groups and on Facebook and, you know, just, just, you know, being mindful, listening. And I said, oh, this would be good for Gus. Yes, that's me. Awesome. Spectacular. Glad we were able to hang out and didn't have to, or at least I didn't have to pay. I am uh, a little bit upset with myself. The victim that lives here in Seattle that I invited to come hang out at the event, she did attend. I did not, uh, tell her to do the same thing that I did, which is to contact the whites in charge and say that it is absurd for non-white people to have to pay to attend this event. So she actually paid. So I wish I had been better on my code. I will do that next time. And anybody who attends any of these events that are held by white people where they're supposed to be talking about racism, you should not be paying like a pecan, like nothing like uh contact them uh you can phrase it however you want to i've just said that you know flat out that i think that's absurd uh and and i think i have also called that an act of racism in and of itself to charge people charge non-white people uh to attend these type of events but be that as it may grand recommendation glad we were able to uh, attend and it's in the archives the white ally toolkit david camp who is not married to a white person uh any other suggestions uh for this situation anybody I quickly I was going to quickly add, add that, that, that I think she did the right thing as well I'll mute my line that's what I was going to ask anybody out there uh, who because I know we've talked about this before the code about contacting the police anybody out there uh, think hmm Maybe I wouldn't call the enforcement officials in that situation. They could make the situation worse. Everybody could get fired. Anybody think that, you know, that might make the situation worse contacting the enforcement officials after she was uh, assaulted in the hallway? I think that kept us from getting fired because that, that paperwork now, um, the boss fired. So it's like, well, she has a lawsuit, you know, oh, they fired me because I said someone assaulted me. I personally, um, I wouldn't. But um, um, that's me. You know what I'm saying? Um, I I personally feel like the, um, I'm scared of the police, so I'm not gonna call for no reason unless I'm really, I really have been violated. You know, and um, someone bumping into me, I think I could use words or uh, more more persuasively than um calling the police. But in that instance, I and I have worked in here when I worked at the hospital. These two um. Co-workers of mine got into a spat, and uh, one said, you know, when I catch you outside, I'm going to get you this, that, and the other. So the other one went and called the police one on and said he made terroristic threats, and that got that dude fired. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it could work either way. I guess you could say VGQ.
Um, I did have um, an incident of my own, but um, I think someone else was about to talk. We'll make sure to come back. Did anybody else want to respond to that question about whether or not you think it might cause more problems by calling enforcement officers? I'm not sure if it will cause more problems. I kind of understand the reason why she called um, being a female and being attacked. <clears throat> well, feeling like, well, she was attacked. So being attacked by a male, that's kind of understandable. Um, and who knows what he would have done after that or could have done after that. If he felt bold enough to bump her, then maybe the next time he probably would have pushed her, especially if this has been allowed. And who knows what the conversation between that male and the supervisor is. Like, they, they could be planning it the whole time. So you never really know. Absolutely. Anybody else want to respond to that question? Might have missed some uh, making sure I'm not missing hands uh, from folks that are up. The number again, 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Anybody else want to respond to that question? Are we moving forward? Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Greetings. Um, unfortunately, I did not get to hear the entire uh, synopsis or the story, so I don't know exactly what happened. So before I speak, was this a non-white black male that aggressed her in the hallway? Yes, ma'am. Correct. Okay. And am I, is, am I correct that it's a bump? Like, did he, like, just, like, come up and push you or, like? Walking past each other, it was uh, aggressive bump. It, it was more than a bump because it was a, a forward of the shoulder. It was a... Mm, oh, one of those like shoulder that. pushes. Yes, okay. yes, yes. It, it wasn't okay. just a simple just passing by a gentle... No, no, no. This was aggression. This was purposely done. I, it, it was so hard. I, I stepped backwards, like a step, like, or I would have lost my, my footing. Understood. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to be clear before I spoke, but my response to the question is, would, is still the same now that I, even though I have that information. I personally would not have called the police. Um, I'm not so sure that that's the most, at least in terms of my code, the most constructive thing to do towards a non-white black male, especially on the job. Um, for my code, you know, I want to keep us both employed. So I don't know what all led to it, um, you know, whatever the tension is and whatnot. But if that would have, if that's like the first attempt at uh, consoling the situation or getting some clarity about the situation, um, that probably would not have been my first choice. Um, I think, but in the same respect, to the same degree, I don't don't think that I would have involved any white people on the job. Essentially what I'm saying is my code would be to not involve white people. So you're taking a risk by calling the um, law, enforce, law enforcement officials. You might get a non-white one, um, but more than likely you'll get a white one. And then I wouldn't have gone to human resources either. My code would have been 
to um, as uncomfortable and, and as like nervous as I would have been to like directly uh, engage that like situation. So what's happening here? What's going on? And at least do that first. I don't know if you did that. You might have, and then maybe an argument ensued or something. He was like, you know what? I'm calling the police. But for me. That I don't think so. Um, also, I do think, however, I do think that there's a possibility that in having called the police that maybe it could have secured your job, like maybe if he turned around and said that you aggressed him and then you could have lost your job. I mean, that's uh, like a risk. There's nothing to say that it's 100% would have occurred. Um, so I can see the validity in that standpoint. Um, but I can also see on the other I guess on the other side, where now both of you, in case he's not, you know, in a, a mole, so to speak, uh, both of you could be under intense scrutiny um, and level of professionalism having been degraded to some extent. Um, I didn't get to hear the whole thing about what white woman got upset with you and all of that kind of stuff because, I don't know, you know, I, I came in right when Gus was pretty much explaining how, some white people, these are our niggers, and we don't want other white people in our business or whatever. I, I, with all that aside, I'm sure that it's, it feels as though there's a high probability that it might have caused more problems, but none that you can see at the moment. So I'm curious as to how it'll play out, but that's uh, what I'd like to share. Thank you. Appreciate that, Emmy. <clears throat> uh, I reckon we'll... We'll get the update. I do think it's significant that in a workplace situation where a female has accused a black male of physical aggression to the point where enforcement officials were called and the black male is still employed, like that's at least mildly significant. I think uh, black males have been terminated under far less egregious circumstances, unless I'm just, you know, talking crazy. <laughs> um, uh, did, any other any other comments? Folks want to get in on on this situation? Our female caller in New York. Was this was this New York City? I don't know. If we, oh, uh, New York City, ma'am. Oh yes. Correct. This is in um, New York, Manhattan. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah. Um, how did the police treat that brother when they got there? Um, well, they actually had us separated. So um, it was two cops that came. One spoke to me. The other one spoke to the um, the non-white female. My, I mean, coworker, male, and. Um, I don't know how I don't know how the cops, you know, were towards him, but um they they were not too, you know, professional with me either. Well, they weren't rude, they were just like very business, very, you know, straightforward and it just seemed like eh, you know, helping get this done. Okay, what happened? Right, 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 you know. All right, get out of here, you know. That's it. Interesting. Was this um, downtown Manhattan? Midtown or downtown? Downtown, near Wall Street. Okay, yeah. Because, you know, I, I was I was expecting a, a lot larger response. Uh, well, I, if it happened in, in where I'm at in Harlem, 
uh, anything like that, it will have seven, eight cop cars, you know, pop up. So that's why I said, oh, if this was downtown, they're going to send two cops that's going to get the brush off. They got way too much to deal with. Uh-huh. Uh, but, uh-huh. um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm in a way, you know, um, like I said, you handled it the way you did. I'm glad that that situation happened for him downtown because if it happened uptown, you know, it would have turned out a lot more tragic for him. Um, just the allegation alone would have been, uh, he would have been, you know, sent down. So, um, you know, um, uh, it's a tough situation. Um, I'll meet my line. Thank you. So, I was very, oh, can I say just one quick yes, thing? Yes, ma'am. I was ma'am. very hesitant. I, I didn't want to call the cops. I, I, I was very upset at the fact that it got to that point, but there was nothing else for me to do, and I needed it for record. Because, you know, the situation was slowly advancing. I mean, it went from, like I said, name-calling to yelling to this push. I don't know what's going to come next. And he was very, extremely uh, aggressive. Very, I mean, like, to the point of getting in my face to yell and scream. So, no, it, it, was, it was getting bad. It was going up, you know? I think you did uh, the correct thing just based on... What's been reported, it sounds like you did a great job under horrendous circumstances uh, applying counter-racist logic to try and defuse the situation. And uh, that reinforces what I said earlier. Uh, In this situation, uh, we have a non-white person uh, who might be uh, just doing what a race soldier uh, has hired them to do, harass and, you know, malign the other uh, harangue the other non-white workers uh, that are there, our caller included. Uh, and so he's confident to be able to go out and do these things, name call and yell and even be physically violent. But I did say before, uh, these type of things, if you don't stop them, they will escalate. Uh, it'll go from exactly as she stated, it'll go from just a name call to physical violence. We talked about last week, the the crotch grab. I mean, it's just it will just continue and intensify. So uh, if it had been in a different area, as Thomas was talking about, if that had happened in Harlem and it's seven cop cars, the more aggressive response, would that have altered your thinking or or decision-making in this process? Correct. Yes, it would have. Yes, it would have. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, It's a lot to process. It's a lot to process uh, sometimes in terms of trying to figure out what decision you want to make. It's, can be a lot to think about. And I just want to add as well, particularly this uh, situation, uh, even though this, the violence makes this a, a, a substantially more dangerous situation, uh, the caller in Florida who is at the courthouse and he was talking about how there was one black, I think he's here with us. I think uh, he was saying that there was one black female, they, white people there had verbally promised her a job and then they reneged and gave it to a black male. Uh, And then they had uh, another situation where it was a black male and black female in conflict. I think a black female uh, was fired and they gave her job to a black male. Uh, It's so easy for racists to set up these type of scenarios where black males, black females are in conflict. It can be black males and black males, black females and black females, just non-white people, period. It's so easy Uh, For them to set up these sort of situations where we're in conflict and end up fussing and fighting with each other. And this is all for entertainment for them. The uh, caller said uh, trying to suppress laughter uh, about all of this snickering. This is entertainment 
uh, for racist man, racist woman, racist child. Uh, other folks commentary uh, they want to share if you have your own situation or if you have uh, comments on what we've heard thus far. Proceed. Can I say something else about this, um, Gus, or do, do, should I let someone else who haven't spoken? Or? Uh, go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to say, you know, I really commend the, the, the black males on the line who, you know, are support, supporting the lady caller because me, I'm, I'm very conflicted about this because on the one hand, she should not be harmed under, under any circumstance. On, on the other hand, I, I feel like it doesn't matter what location you are, these cops will murder a black male regardless of what age, regardless of wherever, because these people are just race soldiers. And I'm trying to think about it like, okay, at the same time, you know, the black males, they know that as well. And he knew that before he went and pushed her. At the same time, I don't want, you know, a black male to be murdered and I don't want her to be harmed. So I'm just, you know, I don't know if we should like brainstorm about how to deal with these types of issues. Maybe we warn the person and tell them, hey, you know what's going on, you know, with these cops or whatever. If you do this again, I might have to. But then again, I mean, you, you may not get that opportunity or if there needs to be a show about it or, you know, something like that. I just, I guess, wanted to add that I, I think she definitely did the right thing, but I'm also very conf conflicted because of how these racial soldiers are behaving towards black people in general, but especially black, black men because they are the, because they, black, especially black men because they are the biggest threat to white supremacy. And uh, I'll mute my line. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I've made a, I made a comment earlier, and at the same time, I've been listening, and I can't help to express it to the, uh, to everybody else that's on the line that it, it sounds very close to the counter-racist policy to snitching. I mean, it's, I mean, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me with my crazy self, but it sounds very close, if not uh, exactly, to the uh, the counter-racist policy and or code of snitching. And what, as opposed to what is snitching and what is not snitching. And uh, uh, I would say this, in this particular case, with the lady from New York, who I already said that I think she did the right thing, that that non-white person, quote unquote, since it's not this is not uh, uh, the day that we can't use metaphors, they crossed he he crossed the line, he crossed the line uh, uh, by uh, being employed by this by this uh, subcontract subcontracted anyway by this uh, white male to do this dastardly action against you. And I, I, I applaud the the uh, the lady HP on on mentioning about the black males on the land because I have I have a, a mother I have uh, sisters you know that sort of thing and and it's in my instincts to try to come to their aid when they call me you know and and I would like to know though at the same time that they have some sort of codification on how they would on what they would do in situations. And I think that's the right thing that she did. If anything, but to call them, not so much as quote unquote enforcing a law, but to get that piece of paper, that's the only place you're gonna be able to get that piece of paper for that states that this is on record, 
that on such and such a date at such and such a time, this person did that. Now, in some cases, that at least stops that person from doing that because it's a record, and, and now he would have to be very serious about doing that type of behavior for, for quote-unquote, the racist, you know, uh, and, uh, as opposed to doing it again, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, so those are just some of my thoughts. Uh, and I, and once again, I would say he crossed the line when he uh, bumped into you. I think Mr. Fuller, he says first time, last time, uh, when it comes to any sort of placing of hands, uh, black males touching black females uh, or vice versa, uh, according to what I've heard him say. But uh, in my view, any sort of t- I just that repeating what I said earlier in the workplace. Physical contact is absolutely unacceptable. 365, uh, anytime, any place. It is simply not to be tolerated at all from a white person, non-white person, sexual or otherwise. Uh, that is absolute no. Uh, that's super serious, not to play with, not to minimize. Uh, and in my view, uh, if it's a non-white person, black person, male or female, once they are in the business, uh, putting their hands uh, in a violent way on another black person. Oh, you're a tough person. You're a tough guy. Gotcha. No problem. You can deal with the police. You don't have any concerns about any of that because you you're a tough person. You're in the business of putting your hands on people in a violent manner. So you can deal with that. That's the business you're in of violence. No problem. I don't think that that in my view, anyway, reporting that sort of person for doing something that's incorrect, reporting that person to the enforcement officials. That's not snitching. That is correct behavior. Uh, that person, you know, we should all be in the business of anyone that's about harming physically. Uh, black people, you need to be out of here like right now. Uh, we've had way too much of that. That's what racism, white supremacy produces. Uh, just the whole world that's filled with people that look to do harm uh, to black people, unjust, violent harm uh, to black people. So, yeah, that's I don't have any problems, any qualms uh, about someone calling enforcement officials if they choose to do so, uh, if they have been violently harmed uh, by a white person or a non-white person. Uh, we have other folks who had commentary they want to share. If you had your own situation you want to discuss, uh, or if you had comments on what we've uh, shared thus far, feel free. Does anyone think that it, it could have been possible that that uh, the non-white male had high levels of? Um, uh well he could he could have had disregard for for black people um i know that i work with a, a couple uh black males who talk negative negatively about other black people uh, around white people i i guess um to make them feel good and to know that um they're trustworthy or something like that so maybe he could have had some type of bond with the um supervisor and the supervisor may have known a lot of the things that was going on. And she said she was reporting it. So they could have had something going on, um, you know, without them, without everyone else knowing. Or they could have even been friends outside of the job. Who knows? Absolutely. All, all seems very logical uh, to me. Uh, we had... 
one person who did write in, uh, I'm just reading this because I think this is important and uh, having uh, a technological code in terms of uh, how you operate your computer uh, and email and all of that uh, on the job, I think is important. This person wrote in and said, uh, my workplace forbade me from sending any correspondence via email because they won't because they don't want me to leave a paper trail. My manager got angry and threatened to fire me because I send emails rather than writing it on a sticky note. This morning, I checked my computer and noticed they disabled my print screen. Wow. I think mm. We've had other people talk about this before where they were using their uh, screenshot feature on their computer to document uh, different saves, uh, excuse me, different changes. Uh, that they made uh, to documents. And I think they were even showing that there may have been some manipulation to the actual computer or to the software or to some of the work that was done at that workstation. Uh, but they were taking screenshots to get evidence. And they came back after they had you know, printed out a few screenshots to show what was happening. And that feature was disabled uh, on the computer so they, sh they could no longer use it. So uh, I think... Uh, that as more and more non-white people get better access and more sophisticated, more refined in our use of technology to try to counter whites and their terrorist activity on the job, it's going to be more of that sort of thing. Uh, you know, don't send any emails. We want them on sticky notes so that you don't have uh, electronic documentation uh, of what's been happening. If we're not answering questions, that sort of thing. Uh, and then disabling the print screen on the computer. And even with that, asking questions, even if they wanted on sticky notes, I would document that, uh, that my print screen was disabled. Why was my print screen disabled? Was this a site-wide thing? Or, you know, is there something, uh, was the use of the print screen, was that causing a problem uh, on the job or messing up the, the machine or anything? You know, you can ask some questions about that as well. Uh, did other folks uh, have comment? Anybody else experience this sort of... Uh, technological blockade on the job uh, where they're stopping you from using bits of technology that might be helpful to you? Um, can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hi. Um, good evening, all. Um, I haven't had anybody attempt to block any of, uh, any of the, the um, pins that my computer can do at work. However, um, I do have this situation where people, well, I'll email them and they'll purposefully wait, you know, two or three days before sending the email so they can get me to come to them um, in person. They have the answer. They have it right away. But they're, they're expecting me. To, they want me to come to them in person. So a lot of times then I end up having to go to them in person to get uh, this answer. Um, yeah, that's 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 the only, the only um, I don't know, the only experience I've had with that. I'll mute my line. Hmm. And that's uh, wasting time, in my opinion. We talked, no, I talked about that last week. 
wasting non-white people's time and energy. That is a big form of white supremacy racism, both on the job and elsewhere, just doing things to waste our time so we cannot be efficient. That especially comes up on the job because so many times we get a few accused uh, of being lazy and shiftless and you take it too long to get your work done. That's, a, that's such a common accusation that so many black people face uh, all over the world. Uh, also, I almost played the, the clip of Congresswoman uh, Maxine Waters being chided by President Donald Trump and him him saying that she's uh, low intelligence and we got to get her out of office because I think that's uh, workplace racism too. I can just play that for the compensatory call in this weekend. But I mean, that's her job uh, being a congresswoman. So in my view, this is a part of her job uh, to be publicly uh, lambasted uh, by the commander in chief of the most powerful country in the world, they say. Um, and, and particularly for him to be talking about how dumb and ignorant she is. I was thinking for a moment, like, eh, maybe that's not workplace racism, like trying to be reasonable, but reasonable about things uh, and saying, you know, they they ridicule. I hear people talk about Donald Trump being ignorant all the time. I heard that about uh, George Bush uh, as well when he was president. And then I stopped and I said, well, wait a minute. I do not recall a sitting president talking about a member of Congress. And I mean, Maxine Waters, Congresswoman Maxine Waters has been an elected official for a number of terms, decades at this point. I cannot recall a sitting president talking about an elected member of the United States Congress as being, you know, just an idiot. This is just a complete moron. And oh my goodness, like I can't believe she even got a job. And this is, you know, I cannot remember that from a sitting president. Uh, I could be in error. If somebody can think of an episode, feel free. But that really made sure absolutely workplace racism uh, for sure uh, for Mac Congresswoman Maxine Waterson, which she's having to deal with as well. Uh, other folks, uh, if you have commentary, if we've not heard from you, feel free. Line should be open. Happened. I'm sorry. I, I think you got cut. You got cut off to me. Oh, okay. Am I am I being heard? I can hear you now, but oh. it, you cut off about five seconds, I think. Okay. Uh, I just after I finished my thing about Maxine Waters, I asked if. Uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, if uh, other folks had commentary that they wanted to share, uh, proceed. Can we give advice to the two things that you just said, Gus? Oh, for sure. I'm sure they would appreciate that. Okay. Um, to the, the print screen issue, um, I can only think of one thing, and I, I will um, Google, you know, just an alternative to print screen or if it isn't working, which I guess that would be another suggestion. But the one thing um, that I've heard before, you know, that you could possibly use your phone. I know that could probably work against you if they try to talk about you have to have it on certain hours and all this and that. But if you can get away with that and, and do it when they're not around and, and maybe email it to you and it's still kind of like a print screen effect maybe um, to the lady caller um, in, in Wisconsin. Um, as far as uh, I remember Roz talked about when they didn't respond to his emails, he didn't go to them. He just let those emails pile up, those unanswered emails, and they tried to fire him, and he went with a stack of, of unanswered emails for like a year and got a, a nice severance for that. They tried to fire him and all that, and 
he just left the company on his own terms. They had to pay him all this money. Um, and if that's not, um, I guess, an option for her, maybe she could go to them in person and uh, record it, uh, record it with, with, with like a, a hidden recorder. And if, if she's not allowed to do that, if it's not going to be like admissible evidence in court or however she wants to use it, she can use it just to transcribe it. But she could also look up in, if, in her state if she's, a, I believe it's called a, a one-party state, and, you know, maybe she could, she could do that. But my first, you know, um, reaction is that just to, if they don't answer you, then just, you know, let it go if that is feasible in your particular uh, situation. And that's all I have in my mind. Appreciate that. Uh, any other suggestions uh, for our caller who wrote in or if we have any folks uh, who have their own situation, especially if we have any folks who have not shared, uh, you should definitely speak up as well. Um, Gus, I just wanted to address HV and then also to address the um, the person who wrote in. Uh, uh, thank you for that, HV. Uh, I do actually have a recorder, and I, I started employing it every time. I have, I'm in one of those situations, so I get all the com uh, all the conversations that I'm having with them. Um, and as far as the the female caller who wrote in, there is an app that um, ships with Microsoft Windows called Snipping Tool, and that that is directly available. She could uh, just search for that in her programs, um, and she can use that to take screenshots. Uh, I use either print screen or the snipping tool, and they're both equally effective. So uh, if she wants to use that, they may not have disabled that yet, but I would look on my machine first to see if that's there. You're welcome, and that is incredible. I'm in my own. Sharing constructive information. Bravo. Uh, other folks have uh, commentary uh, suggestions. If we have anybody who figured out codes that are consistently effective, that is always welcome and appreciated. Uh, if we have folks who have not shared at all, should definitely speak up. Feel free. Oh, Stacy in the UK ringing us. Let's see. Uh, 245, 2.45 over there? 145. 1.45 a.m. Friday morning. Always good to hear from you, Stacey. Um, uh, hello to you and to the rest of the call. Um, I didn't actually hear um, a lot of the previous discussion, just talent. Um, so in terms of the caller or the person who wrote in about emails, <clears throat> And um, as I said, I'm not sure of all the detail, but in the first thing, any manager that's telling you not to email, um, I would, I would quite frankly ignore it, not least because it's happened to me several times that managers have said to me, stop emailing, and at the same time, they're emailing me. Um, so they're obviously creating a record at their end. Um, I've just continued regardless. And those emails are really important. And as I said, I'm not sure of the particular issue, but I've shared in the past where um, in the organisation that I've worked for, sometimes things 
escalate to the point where they get investigated. Um, and I was working on one particular project that it ended up that the police were involved. <clears throat> and it involved lots of members of staff um, and affected lots of projects and uh, got a lot of external scrutiny, including things hit in the media. Um, and one of my projects was under scrutiny for a period of 18 months involving the police. And in those kind of situations, I mean, I'm going to the extreme, but, it, you know, it doesn't have to get to this level. But, you know, this is an extreme situation. Um, and I can remember being told by a group lawyer um, the reason my project's got so much attention is because of the audit trail of my emails and that um, perhaps in the future I won't have been so comprehensive in the way that I uh, had um, saved my email. But at the same time, I had managers who, because of that level of scrutiny, started trying to apportion blame all over the place. Um, and in fact, you know, it ended up that there were no prosecutions or anything like that. This was a lot of um, other stuff just being um, uh, exaggerated. But that's how far that things can go. And when you've got managers who will then try and cover their backs, having your emails can save your life and your liberty. So that's, as I said, an extreme situation. But what I would never do is have anybody tell you not to email anything. Um, and at the same time, that they're, they're, they're creating an audit trial for you. And I don't know whether the individual can um, log in remotely, because for some organisations, you can log in remotely. So if it is the case that they've disabled certain functions, then I would just log in remotely and just take pictures of your emails, things like that. You know, there's more than one solution. Uh, I, thought, I think that would be more difficult to do that if you're in an office and you cannot log in remotely. But, um, you know, that may be one solution. But as I said, you know, that the example I gave was quite extreme. But I've also had managers who have asked me to um, do various things, including the current situation where I've got now, where, you know, they'll ask you to do something and then that's conveniently they'll change your mind, change their mind. Um, and again, email is a way of backing up a, a request, but also just creating your own audit trial. And, I, you know, you, you have to be quite brave and hold your ground. Um, I've not had anybody stand over me and shout, um, you know, but obviously, you know, a manager telling you not to send an email is still quite intimidating, but I would ignore it. Um, I wouldn't necessarily create a fuss, but I would still send send those emails regardless. But I'll meet my line there, Gus. <clears throat> Hang on one second there, Stacey. Uh, I'm so glad you were able, we were able to get you on the, the line. Two things. Number one, my math is not bad. There is generally an eight-hour time difference between Seattle, Washington, where I am, and England, where Stacy is. However, for a brief period, twice a year, daylight savings time, they have daylight savings time in the UK, but they do it later. So for that brief period, it is no longer an eight-hour time difference. It is a seven-hour time difference. That's why I made the error with my math at the beginning. Uh, the second thing, uh, we had a female caller who I think is still with us. 
she chimed in earlier and she was telling us that on her job, uh, a white man hired a black male to be her supervisor, like immediate supervisor. And he's very abusive verbally. And it got to the point where he was shouting, name calling, and he passed her in the hallway and bumped her aggressively, gave her a really hard shoulder enough that it knocked her backwards. And uh, she called the police uh, on this black male in the situation. We were talking about that. And is that, you know, the best way to handle the situation without creating more problems? And I was thinking of you the whole time. I just did not get your name invoked for obvious reasons, uh, because you talked about a similar situation where it escalated to that type of violence. You didn't get to hear uh, the commentary, but your situation uh, was it a non-white person? Well, you actually had several people uh, who bumped you in the hallway, correct? Uh, yes, um, uh, just on the daylight savings. Sorry, I did actually check my um, phone as you were speaking because I was wondering has the clock's gone forward because it happens automatically. So, I, 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 um, yeah, I wasn't totally sure if the clocks had changed because it. it I, yes, I think yes, you are accurate. The time has probably changed in the UK. Um, in terms of the uh, situation, yes, it was more than one person. One of them was a suspected racist white director. In fact, no, she's not suspected because she has been previously found guilty of being racist on the job. But that's another matter. And um, a non-white uh, black female um, and in both instances, it was more, on more than one occasion. Um, I didn't call the police on the premises. Um, I, I did have a little bit of the conversations that's being had. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't... I, I understand the reservation when it does involve a non-white member of staff because even in this situation, it really, really, um, whether you report it to the police or not, you know, it is very difficult and it really, really did play with my um, emotions, particularly words of the non-white female because it is a younger person as well. Um, but nonetheless, um, when people do things to the extreme, you have to respond and deal with it particularly as they don't seem to have any boundaries about their behavior um many years ago in another job there was a male black male who i don't know he was going through some kind of personal issue i think um certainly on the job the directors and other people involved in management were undermining him to the extent that I think it was getting to him mentally. Um, and sometimes it's easier to take things out on your black colleagues than it is actually the racist suspects. Um, but I mean, he, he seemed to be acting out in a number of ways and I, I kind of understood why, but you know, um, we don't always, handle things in the best way and he started to project in my direction you know and um shout at me in the office and one day he did actually end up following me to my car and at that point that was going way too far um and i did 
speak to my managers about it. And then I was told that he had also, um, I think he shouted out, or done something to a, a, a white female worker before. And it was my, one of the directors who was um, telling me about this. And so he wanted me to formalise my complaint. And at that point, I thought, hang on a minute here. This person has already done something which has affected a white female you haven't addressed it and now you want me to get involved and so I, I do I didn't obviously say that to him but you know I just alarm bells started ringing so I decided not to um actually pursue anything and I can't it was so long ago so I can't remember whether that was before he followed me to my car or after but when, you know, when, when he did start following me to my car, I did um, speak to HR. Um, and because, you know, I'd gotten well with this person, you know, there was a, they were trying, she, it was a black female that I was speaking to. She did say, oh, you know, they'll probably end up saying it's a personal relationship gone bad, which for me, there was nothing that had happened between us that should have been twisted in that way. But, um, you know, no, no doubt. She, she's speaking from some kind of experience. I did actually go to the police and report it because at that point, you know, when someone cannot control their behaviour, you're essentially putting yourself at risk. So um, I, you know, it's to the female caller who either wrote in or, or called in about that situation, I'm not sure, you have to sometimes do what makes you feel incredibly uncomfortable, even when it does involve uh, non-white person um, you know I, I, I did hear that you both ended up um, perhaps in, in shouting or arguing in the office I mean I'd try and avoid those situations but sometimes things happen but managers also will you know if, if they've let him off the hook in inverted commas for now yeah they've probably got their own game and they're probably using him and the reality is that when they're ready to use that situation against him, they probably will. It's just not convenient for them to do so now. So I don't even think he's safe, even if they have um, decided not to act on it in the present moment in time. But Gus, sorry, I'm not sure if I answered your question. Actually, was that did you did you did I answer your question? Absolutely, and uh, since it's not the compensatory call-in with a brilliant—oh no, I was going to invoke one myself with a brilliant cherry on top at the end because I think that's super important that uh, the victim of white supremacy that's being used uh, for the female kind. That's this is not to excuse his misconduct at all, but it's just uh, that race soldier. We talked about this timing. They will take an incident like this. They might wait five weeks. They may wait. They may wait five years. He might be up for promotion, anything. And it'll be, oh, wait a minute. We got this uh, incident from a few years back where uh says you assaulted a coworker. Is that right? Wow. I don't know. Going to have to think about it. Have seen that happen a lot in the system of racism, white supremacy, where he also can be reminded very quickly. Yes, you too are nigra, and we just used to used you to mistreat another nigra. That's how we operate the plantation. Brilliant, Stacy in the UK. 
Uh, other folks uh, have commentary that they wanted to share. If we've not heard from you at all, you should definitely uh, speak up. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes, thank you very much, sir. Uh, greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. I'm trying to think of which of the ones that I wanted to share, but I'll start out with uh, an observation that I've had over some years, really. But I wanted to start out with this one because it seemed like it's a, um, I guess, a, a refined form of behavior, I guess, where uh, it's I've noticed the white men uh, engaging in force, like artificial emotion. Like what I mean by that is, uh, you have like a group of people in a meeting or that kind of setting at work and, uh, they could be talking about a certain type of issue. Like for instance, the, uh, the previous clerk that like before he retired and this clerk is the father of the clerk that we have in office right now. And he was like very skilled and masterful in deception. So like his artificial emotion was, um, he, he was talking about like starting the, the marriages for the same sex thing about like a year or two ago. Um, and he got what they would call choked up or he just started, um, like formulating tears and crying. And, and I think he, I just didn't think that it was authentic. Uh, he was, I think he was acting. And I say that because the, like every, ever since he retired, the, another guy that's still in like an administrative position, he took on that same form of behavior. And I think he learned that from, uh, uh older clerk. He was talking about, you know, being nasty to people or uh, how we deal with customers. And I thought it was a major contradiction because I haven't shared this other thing uh, because he was talking about being nasty. So you just never know what people are going through. And, you know, somebody might have cancer. And, you know, he, his, he started to have inflections in his voice. Um, it made it seem like his voice was crackling up, like he was about to start uh, crying or whatever. Um, and I've never seen the, the white women do this. They would be more like solid or very um, emotionless, emotionless in their presentation. But there are times when the white men, they, were, they will uh, be crying at times. Uh, and I, I think this guy... This this newer, well not newer, but this the recent white man that, that he learned that from the other clerk, and he was better at deceiving people than this new guy is. Uh, because I had a, I had a conversation with this person, um, and this had something to do with me being assigned a new responsibility, and I already have an overwhelming schedule. Uh, so this happened maybe about the end of the beginning of January where 
I had I was asked to do two different things because I moved from another department, so I'm already like preoccupied, you know, with helping customers and doing my other job tasks. So uh, uh, a lady, a young lady, white lady, had quit the job. She went to another job, so this position was given to. Uh, I believe it was another, maybe it was her friend, and this person is pregnant right now, a white woman. And apparently she was all of a sudden trying to get me, you know, to help a sister do, like, these two things. Uh, so, you know, I was already doing those things to a degree, but I had stopped it. But, you know... Uh, I guess I was in a position since I'm at work. I say, you know, I'll help out. So, and I expected this to happen. Uh, it came to a point where I was downstairs and we was like helping, like, well, I was helping out stock the snack machine. So she says, uh, yeah, um, you know, they're thinking about having you take over this for me while I'm out on maternity leave, you know? So I said, <laughs> I said, what, like, what, what are you talking about? Like, I hadn't even been able to tell my supervisor this. And, uh, she says, well, you know, they, now she said they, they are supposed to be going to talk to your supervisor. So, like, the boss lady, she was off that day, uh, a white woman. She was off that day. So immediately, I said, you know, I have to talk to my supervisor about this. So the next day, I go and talk to her. And I sent the email, like that documentation thing. I sent the email and I said, like, well, I, I would like to talk to you about an added job responsibility. So, you know, we, we were talking and it seemed like she was completely unaware of this. Like, they, they haven't come to tell me anything. So I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And, uh, well, I didn't say that necessarily, but, you know, I'm just telling her, what happened up to this point. And I'm like, they're trying to get me to do two different things. And one of the, one of the things that stood out was this girl told me that, you know, they, once again, she used the word they, they said that I could use you as much as I, as I can, I guess, while I'm, while I'm pregnant. Um, and I, and I use the term objectification when I was talking to, my boss lady and um like the look on her face i didn't think she knew that i could articulate myself like this so she didn't really have very many responses except for you know i will uh i'll talk to um one of the administrative guys the same one who know how to you know to show the artificial emotion uh so about a few days later they release a um a, a newsletter because it comes out monthly and it had my face on the second page. All right, now you know a black person's face and I'm being um uh commended for helping this same person. And I, I think Gus you said like something about the term coincidence and I know I didn't believe that was the case either. I think that I've heard you say that. So, and this guy is saying, you know, I just like to, to compliment you on, you know, helping out, you know, 
this this person. And I said, you know, well, you know, thank you or whatever. But I think that was in response to my concern for me being given this job. And they never addressed that. So I was asked to do it again. Um, and my uh, supervisor, she said, you know, just come to me if that happens again. So it did. So apparently she got an email back saying that, well, he said that since, you know, your salary is 1% this, uh, you know, half percent that, you know, I just, I just didn't get the logic of that. So I pretty much broke through that or made that argument like crumble down. So she just said, well, you know, we can set up a meeting because I think he had maybe, I guess, coached her or like relayed that information to her to make it seem like I was just going to, um, I guess, concede and not mention this again. So we ended up going to the person's office. Um, and we both sat down in his office. So, you know, I was very calm and collective. And, you know, before we got in there, she says, she says I, I know you, you have a very good way of explaining things and in uh, in interpreting your experience. So I'm talking to this guy. You know, I'm very pleasant. I said, thank you for um, allowing me to, to share my concern. So, you know, he's listening to me. And, you know, like like before I really got into it, I had paused. I had paused for a few seconds, and I continued to speak. So uh, the, the patterns he engaged in was he, he started to interrupt. He started to interrupt my speaking. And he went on a tangent, and he also uh, he was um, he didn't answer my question because I mentioned that I asked him. I said, "Am I being devalued?" So he didn't really answer the question. He kind of uh, gave the you know the buckets and buckets of words metaphor. So he he gets upset and angry. When I was saying, like, hey, is there going to be any clarification? Am I going to be considered for this job or not? And, you know, his face starts turning red. Like, hey, you just keep going back to this. And, uh, you know, I said when you walked in here, and, you know, he looks at the the, the white woman, my boss lady, still sitting in another seat. You know, and I, I told you, now, if they keep coming up to you, then you can just go, you know, to her. And, you know, his face was it was very red. And I was still very calm. And I'm like, uh, you know, why are you being rude? And, you know, he started, you know, smiling or whatever and acting like he didn't answer my, you know, he didn't answer my question or he didn't understand what I was saying. So I said, you know, we're not, you're not practicing very good conversation etiquette right now. Uh, you over, you're over talking me. And, you know, we can't have a constructive conversation. So, you know, he just got upset and, uh, he said, well, I'm going to let you just, you know, I'm already done with this, and I'm going to just look back at my computer screen, and you can just talk all you want. So, um, like, I, I sat there, and I looked at uh, my supervisor, and she was just, <laughs> she, she couldn't even look at me. She was, like, just very froze, like, froze up. So a little bit after that, 
the conversation ended, and he said, you know, we'll we'll give it some consideration, and you know, we'll make sure that no one asks you to do anything that's not in your um, regular job routine. So you know, we walk out of the room, and we're in the hallway. So I'm about to walk in the door back to my desk, and the uh, my supervisor, she's like. She said, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, you know, that's unacceptable, and, <laughs> uh, and you know, that shouldn't happen. You know, I, I told her, I said, um, I said, I expect that kind of behavior, you know, from him, or, you know, when I come here, and she was just like, like, I don't understand, and, you know, I've never heard him speak to anyone in that manner, and then so I said, um, I said, you know, once again, you know, I'm not surprised by that. And, you know, she, she was like, you know, what do you mean? And, and then I asked her a question. I said, I said, when you look at me, what do you see? And um, she was like, oh, you know, well, we can't say that. You know, it's 2018. Uh, so, you know, I walked back to my desk, and I didn't really have too much to say, but I guess she went and talked to him again, and they didn't have me do that job, apparently. So, uh that happened at the beginning of the year, and I, I think he knows how to try to be become like controllably emotional, like anger, or try to cry to use it to his advantage to practice racism. And uh, that's the only thing that I have right now. And thank you. It is going down at the courthouse. Wow. Ph.D. in white supremacy, racism. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> the, uh, the accumulated they got, we get uh, numerous commentary on racial classifications, metaphors. Uh, we've had uh, cowbell. Uh, we've had a little bit of everything uh, down through the years. That is amazing for many reasons. Uh, that should definitely be in the workplace journal. Uh, they said, I can use you however I want. Wow. Coming from a pregnant white woman, no less. Wow. <laughs> like, uh, I thought it was so important uh, taking a pause when you were going to respond to the race soldiers. Uh, when you, <clears throat> particularly if it's, if it's a contentious exchange, uh, I've said a lot of times uh, when we talk about, you know, keeping emotional regulation, particularly in the workplace, uh, it can be a great tool to just take three, four, five seconds to just compose yourself. You can take a few breaths. You can think about what you want to say. Whatever you want to do, you can do your chance. I know we had a different caller in New York. Uh, where she said she would uh, just invoke the name of Dr. Frances Cresswells, and you could say her name in your head, or if you have ancestors, your own people that you revere, think well of, you could say their name, whatever it is, but you could just take a few seconds to just calm yourself and then present, especially if they've been nasty and rude and over-talking you, just birds chirp, dogs bark, white people being nasty and rude, discourteous. You know what it is. Uh, I thought... The fake emotion, uh, picking that out, intergenerational racist man uh, showing fake emotion uh, to practice racism. I thought that was real important. I know one of our listeners down through the years has said repeatedly that uh, the only thing worse than weeping white women is a weeping white man. 
uh, and to come and do the crackling voice. And I mean, wow, <laughs> like, uh, that is some revolting uh, nonsense to have to sit through. But uh, that I, I agree. I think whites are very skillful, white, white men and white women and the range of emotion, not just uh, the crying, uh, being angry, frustrated, whatever it is. Uh, I think they are, that is a part that is a part of being a master deceiver. Uh, also, uh, just looking for patterns, even within the conversation where you said, you know, that he was uh, over talking you and uh, you felt like pretending to be uh, upset uh, in the exchange, not answering your question, uh, going on tangents, buckets of words, just picking out the regular things uh, that they do uh, within the whole exchange that I was even thinking uh, the what your uh, immediate supervisor, white woman, I was even thinking for her during this whole exchange. That right there is a massive act of racism in my part, because I'm sure they're all in cahoots uh, chatting, you know, when you're not present and, and the whole night. I could be wrong. You can set me straight if, you know, you don't think that's the case. But these folks, I suspect, are in cahoots, have had a word in exchange. If she really thought that his behavior was, you know, unacceptable and something needs to be said or I need to at least uh, make it known that this is not acceptable as opposed to just standing there and not having eye contact. I mean, come on, man. Come on. Come on. You can do White people can do way better than her conduct uh, during that whole during and after that whole tacky uh, exchange doesn't get any better than tacky and terroristic. And then I thought it was especially tacky when he says, well, I'm just going to look at my computer screen. I'm just going to let you talk when it was you just asked the question that he refused to answer. It's not like you were there. Uh, on a soapbox to give a tirade about what was happening and them objectifying you. You asked the question, said he refused to answer. I'm just trying to get clarification about getting all these extra duties and, you know, what's happening here. Like, uh, yeah, I don't have a speech to give. Just trying to get clarification, information, that's all. Uh, And the extra duties thing, uh, that is another major pattern we've talked about with non-white people. For whatever reason, whatever the justification, pregnant white woman or, you know, Christmas time is coming uh, where a non-white person starts out. Maybe you have three duties. That's what you were hired for. Uh, and then eight months later, you have 20 duties. You're still making the same amount of money, but now you got all this extra stuff to do. And then they still come around and fuss at you about not getting things done on time and being shiftless and uh, all of that. You really got to be uh, mindful, uh, alert about that sort of thing uh, where they just add on, add on, add on. Uh, documentation can be very important. Asking questions, great, always great, big time uh, advocate of asking questions. And even if they don't answer your question, document, and you might even want to continue asking. Uh, in fact, I would recommend keep asking, even if they don't answer, keep asking. Uh, and that is a response when they don't answer. Uh, wow, just that is so much. To, oh, and the tackiness of the newsletter, I totally forgot. There was so much to take in. There are absolutely no coincidences uh, to go and report. And then for them to be uh, objective, that I'm reporting that I'm being objectified. And, oh, my goodness, like this Negro. And he's like, oh, do you go and express these uh, concerns about being mistreated? I'm being uh, mistreated here uh, with this pregnant white woman and saying that she can use me however she wants. Uh, for this time period, and I'm going to get these extra duties while she's on uh, maternity leave. You go and report these concerns, and then your picture is in the news. <laughs> we just want to give a, a hearty 
here, here for the hard work that he's done. And that, I mean, come on. That is as tacky as, and I mean, I think at some level, the system of white supremacy, I think that they believe or hope that enough black people have been so brain trashed, we're so starved uh, for white validation that that would be enough to appease you. Like, oh, okay, we'll just, we'll put his picture in the thing and, and that'll be that. We'll come in, everybody will give him a good pat on the back and, you know, that'll, that'll squash all this. I mean, come on. That is, it does not get any better than tacky. I would have, did you frame, did you keep a copy of the newsletter? Yes, sir. I might, I'll have to send you what it looks like. I'll send you the, I'll send you the document. You'll see what, you'll see my, my picture on the second page. Okay, and and to add more context to it, like and this was just two months ago. Uh, now it's it's this guy and the uh, warden, the uh, white woman. Now at least two or three weeks after that, uh, I started seeing them do a lot more work that I would usually be doing. Like, I've seen them um, carrying bags and, you know, uh, doing the recycling. And <laughs> it was, I was like, what's what's going on here? And, and the, the white warden was, she was coming down the stairs, um, and I was on my lunch break. I was on the phone. So she's almost down the stairs, and she realized that was my voice talking, and she turns back around and runs upstairs. This is uh, the white woman. That's the uh, the personnel lady, and also that was the same woman that last week that uh, that was talking over the meeting, and she wasn't letting me speak. And uh, you know, I said, "Hey, you know, we have Miss Miss Blank here. You know, she's new too. Uh, she didn't get introduced last month, so she was she was really blown away, like." Um, I guess I can use a punch to the gut metaphor. She was, her, her demeanor was crushed. And like she had these things, these giveaway items, uh, like a, a water bottle and some t-shirts. So somebody said, hey, like, what, what's all of this stuff on? What's all of this stuff on the counter? Like, aren't you going to give that away? And she was like, she was about to come down the stairs, about to leave. And she stops and she says, oh yeah. <laughs> So she was just, she was totally like thrown off when I said that. So, you know, she was like, um, you know, I just wanted to, to uh, reiterate that, uh, we, we do care about all our, all of our new employees and, you know, we welcome everybody. But she didn't say that, you know, before I pointed that out, that you left the black person out, you know, so that's the same person. Doesn't get any better than tacky that is pretty high on the tacky list the newsletter uh wow that's uh that is like hall of fame tackiness in my opinion with the context i was almost hoping that they waited until february for it to be a part of black history month <laughs> uh, have your uh picture in there but yeah i guess close enough close enough we'll have to to take january that is uh that is a whopper of a workplace racism report wow um hmm <laughs> even not even much more I can add other than uh, just being mindful. I guess the more you understand racism, white supremacy, work can become a fascinating place to observe and learn. Wow. Uh, us folks, if you have uh, questions, 
uh, comments, suggestions, uh, feel free. Line should be open. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. I'm muted. Oh, excuse me. Um, I made a, a little list of a couple of things that I've been ruminating on or that I've tried. Um, this one is kind of small, but I've actually seen it be really effective, particularly at school, but also at work. Um, not necessarily in the pharmacy, but when I had a different job, um, I keep food on me all the time, like granola or um, just like little food so I can always snack because I get hungry. And then if I get hungry, then I can't really think well. And then I actually get kind of angry. Like my emotions are just, I'm not as in control of myself as I want to be when I'm hungry. So I always have food. I've noticed that, you know, when I can see that in other people being able to recognize, like, hunger in other non-white people, that sometimes, like, it can actually prevent us from having uh, a bad experience with each other. Now, I'm not saying that this should be anyone else's code, but it has worked for me. Like, I can I can recognize, oh, and I'll just ask, like, did you eat today before we even begin working, and especially if I know I have extra. And then if they haven't, I'll share a granola bar. And then it makes the interaction a little bit better. Um, you know, they're not getting full. I'm not spending any extra money, really, you know, and it, it actually um, has been successful for me. Another thing that's been successful is um, minimalism. I used to consider myself a minimalist, but I really hadn't defined it, and I wasn't really sure, and I was far more confused. But... Um, when I say minimalism, I mean that the minimal is only what's needed and then the ism is making a system of that. So, like, minimalizing everything from the wardrobe that I wear to uh, the, I mean, you know, and this might be a little bit more personal or self-control than maybe other people want to implement, but... My life is so busy that I don't have that much time to really be thinking about the things that I used to think about. So minimalizing my style, minimalizing even my food, um, really getting more regimented in that, minimalizing um, what I carry so that I don't just have, uh, like, a ton of things which weigh me down and hurt my back and negatively affect my ability to do whatever it is I'm doing when I leave my house. Um and the benefit of that is uh, all the ones that I just mentioned, but then also uh, mental clarity. It could just be me, but by getting rid of things that I don't use and really just becoming economical and minimalistic, um, and it also saves me money because I'm not over here constantly experimenting and whatnot. Like, I know this works, this works, this works. So instead of wasting money on things, you know, hoping that it might work, I've been able to save money. So um, I feel like that falls into workplace racism. Um, one thing, another thing I've learned is that when I try to practice my codification is that I make mistakes. I've talked about a lot of my mistakes, um, and I'm a, a, one of those mistakes is even being harder, hard on myself when I make mistakes. So um, I've begun to develop an internal code self-talk, um, and that's just a codified way, including like you know, responses to talking to myself pretty much. So codifying 
like reprogramming and codifying my self-talk is what I'm saying. So three ones that have worked for me is uh, Dr. Welsing said this one, like when you notice a behavior pattern or something, you can say, this is interesting. I didn't know that before. And so like if I have a thought that maybe I'm uncomfortable with or like that I know is not in alignment with who I say I am or what I want to do, this is interesting. And then it removes the judgment. I did not know before. That's the second one. And the last one is it is okay. And those help. Um, so, you know, it's applicable in the workplace because um, off, not oftentimes, but I still do make mistakes in practicing my codification, whether I'm at work or whether I'm at school. And I might do something that I would feel guilty or shameful about um, because I'm like, oh, here I go again doing that pattern of behavior or here I go again, you know, making white people feel safe or comfortable with me or something like that, and then I'll feel bad. But instead of doing that, this is interesting and it's okay. So um, for children, I was thinking about things like as a child. My mother is extremely um, economical with time, and so, like, she kind of passed that on to me. And, um, like, you know, we don't really talk about children a lot, and I don't have them, but I very much remember being a child. And so there are workbooks and stuff, and that's before iPads. Sometimes, like, setting out time in the day for them to just get in the habit of having a routine of doing work that's outside of school could be helpful. Um, and as punishment, like, sometimes I would get whoopings and stuff, like I did, but I'd also have to write. So if anyone was looking for, like, ways of, you know, there you go. Um, let me see. Oh, this one. Um, this one is important, I think, at the workplace because we were talking about reasons why we might not practice, like, enforce our codification. And so I've been thinking of, well, I, I kept thinking about it. Um, and one part, I think, is exposure. The things that, and since, like, our codification isn't on a really nice beat that's, like, a song that, like, just plays in our head all the time, it's easy to even forget the code. So then, well, how can we, you know, resituate our minds, reprogram our minds, really call upon that neuroplasticity to, like, develop those new pathways? One, it could be, like, there are certain broadcasts, even on the cows or Welsing lectures or even Mr. Fuller lectures that I've listened to way more than once. Like, I took one, and I just would keep listening to it. I just I, – I even got to the point where I knew exactly what he was going to say, when he was going to say it, because I had listened to it that much. But it helped me to really ingrain, internalize what was being said so that now I can call upon it much easier. The second one I haven't had an opportunity to do because of my time, but I made a list of certain codes that I'm trying to implement now on my phone under list. What I want to do when I get the time is make note cards. So, you know, that might not be everyone's kind of thing, but the thing is I'm a huge fan of note-taking and note cards. So if you write the situation on one side and then your codified response, like if you get a little bit of time or you just want to, you know, do something constructive with your time, you can have those to practice your code. Um, let me see. Um, yeah, oh, this one is I was thinking about if it belonged here or really on the compensatory call, but um, I used, I like drinking, um, not getting drunk all the time, but I love wine. I was someone who could drink wine every night. As a matter of fact, I did drink wine every night. 
especially after work or a long day, like half a bottle was not an issue. I wasn't drunk, but I love wine. Um, but I stopped drinking, like haven't had any, like nothing. I've been completely sober for, I don't know, like two months, almost all of 2018. I think I had some drinks maybe on the first or so, and like that was it. Um, it sucked at first and still sometimes does. Um, like especially when I'm stressed, I really would like a glass of wine, but I'm not just to see what happens as an experiment. One thing I've noticed is I'm totally, like, not totally, but far more mentally clear. I'm able to more effectively use my time, and I'm less emotional about things. Like, I'm actually able to keep a a level head, even at work, and see things in real time. Sometimes I miss my codification because I don't know if I'm slow, but, like, I didn't even really know what was happening when it was happening until after it all happened, and then I thought about it, like, oh, I missed that. But that is not happening as much. And I think part of that um, is working out, like exercising, and definitely, like, not drinking, especially because if you drink every night and you wake up the next day, you still got to shake it off and whatnot. Um, And so, okay, those are the suggestions that I have. But then I have um, just, like, a couple of, like, requests really quick, and then I'm good. Um, the first one is if for anybody who's, like, had any post-high school training, as a matter of fact, no, like anything in your whole life, but particularly post-high school training and or college, doesn't have to be four-year university or anything like that, um, what did you wish you, like, what you wish you knew while you were going through that process? Um, I'll give at the end, I'll say my email. Like, I don't want to keep flooding. Gus Gus has so much to do. I don't want to just be like, well, email him and then you email me. You could just email me directly. Um, Even if it's just a bullet list, that'll be really helpful. Um, And I'll tell you why in a second. Then the second one is suggestions for, like, environment situations and opportunities, like, in this thing, like, uh, while you were in your post-high school training or college or whatever, that, you know, were ones that were a little bit more difficult to navigate in terms of environments or situations that you didn't foresee, but in retrospect you've been thinking about or opportunities that were there that maybe you didn't take advantage of or that were there and you did take advantage of and how you would like to maximize that opportunity. Um, And then I know there are a couple of, like, youth who listen into the cows or their parents might. Um, If you have children who are going into either, you know, training programs or, um, school, post high school or whatnot, um, what do they want to know about what's coming? Like what questions do they have that are not necessarily questions that they would ask an advisor, but say someone either still in there or who had been there, which would be me, like I was there for undergrad and then I'm there now, those type of things, like questions that I have, like situations um, that they can just kind of think about now even though they're not in and may not know. The reason I'm asking, I'm making this request for people to, like, kind of reflect on their histories and think about things and then send me suggestions is I think it was Mr. Firefighter maybe last, some other time, maybe in the past week or two, and someone else might have mentioned it, I don't know, whatever, about uh, having, like, a thin code book for younger folks or something, like, for help them to develop their code. I have to re-listen to it, but I just remember the idea stuck. I think it's something that's constructive, um, but I don't want it to be limited to my experiences and what I think would be solely constructive for young people going into high school or post-high school training um, and what they should know and how to codify and whatnot. So if you all could think about it and email me whatever thoughts, suggestions, ideas, 
whatever, it would be great just to begin to develop like a skeleton or something like that to to move forward with that. So anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. And the email, that way we're not bothering guests with any of it, is uh, the number, it's 360.2.pi at gmail.com. So that's 360.too.pi at gmail.com. So, um, all right, with that being said, I thank you all for listening. Amen for not having to bother Gus T. Woo. <laughs> great questions, great research project. I'm sure people will respond and give a hoot. Mine, uh, quickly, the study abroad program. Wish I had done that. I definitely try to encourage any black people that I'm around, younger black people, to get your passport like right now. Uh, you never know what racists might do. They may, might, get, might make it more difficult to obtain. It could become, you know, $10,000 to get a passport or anything. Uh, just, you know, it's great to have. Go ahead uh, and get it and then take advantage. Uh, study abroad if you should happen to be in a uh, college university setting. Uh, we other folks, anybody that we missed completely, uh, caller who dialed in on the vote line, I believe. Did you have commentary? Uh, yes, sir. Thank you. Um, something happened to me yesterday, and I wrote a report about it. I'm going to go ahead and read it right now. On Wednesday, March 14th, I went to my monthly transportation meeting. The main focus of the meeting was a bike trail going through a low-income neighborhood. During the meeting, three, three presenters spoke. The first was a retired cycling um, cycle advocate who rides around in biking spandex. His presentation focused on what good the trails has done in low-income low neighborhoods. The second presenter was the CEO of a transportation technology company who rides his bike everywhere, as dangerous as the streets can be, he manages. His presentation focused on how bike infrastructure interacts with mass transit. The third presenter is the director of county recreation, and his presentation focused on expanding the trail, trails throughout the county. While the first presenter spoke, the thing that caught my attention was the emphasis on low-income neighborhoods, and he shared a statistic that said the neighborhood has 33% poverty. While presenter one was speaking, he made several points about what good things that have um, that um, that have happened um, that will happen because of the trails. This includes giving direct access for the kids in the low-income neighborhood a direct route to the neighborhood school. Another was a bike program that put neighborhood kids on bikes that they could ride along the trail. I'm not sure if the program gives the kids bike bikes to own so much as they are allowed to use the bikes to ride the trail. He also talked about the neighborhood being a food desert. The first presenter presentation culminated in him showing a video of black children from the low income from the low income neighborhood talking about how great the trail has been for them in a video of them riding bikes through the trail. By the time the presentation was over, I had a question. How does running a bike trail through a low income neighborhood reduce poverty? Cue the excuses, distractions, and what and watch them form like Voltron. I address my question specifically to the first presenter. He responded by saying, if you give them safe connectivity, you give them opportunities so that they can get to jobs at the mall that is nowhere near the trail. He also said it's a subjective thought to say that giving low-income people active transportation options will get them to place um, places of, of employment. After about a minute, other people started chiming in. One person who worked at the community college where the meeting was being held, where he helps people to find jobs, talked about how people from these neighborhoods have records, 
and criminal background issues and don't have cars, so getting them a bike helps them get to work. Then the county recreation director chimed in that people who pay for property along the trail, which causes competition, and that this is a conversation that we need to figure out how to talk about because property values rising is not always a good thing. Another person talked about attracting businesses to the area so the people would have jobs. After hearing all the excuses, I reiterated my original question, saying that none of the answers addressed my original question. Another person who the me who's the media specialist for the mass transit provider questioned my original question, saying that the first answer never claimed it would reduce poverty, which I say, then why bring up the subject of poverty at all? It's worth mentioning that she is correct. The first presenter didn't posit that the trail would help reduce poverty, but his presentation su subject uh, suggested it would. Then the first presenter responded that those are good questions and things we need to measure, learn and understand, and a commitment that he will be writing that into the grants that they're writing to get for um, money to build the trail. Then the city councilman, with all his rhetorical ethics, Chimes is saying that gentrification is a huge problem. He also commented on another neighborhood where the trail reached and pushed out all the poor people, pushed out all the poor people. He reiterated that I had a valid question. The county recreation director closes out the conversation by saying that they are not studying the trail and its effects on that level, referring to gentrification and poverty. Then he hits with his final distraction and lists in the name of a former county employee who identifies as a Hispanic who made him aware that Hispanics are not likely to use the trail because Hispanics don't like interacting with the government and that most trail users are affluent whites. The neighborhood this trail would run through is mostly Hispanic, but again, they are not studying this at an academic level. He said that from his agency, they work to reach out to these community communities, but faith-based communities, um, um, organizations are better at reaching out. I recorded my my questioning and the responses in case someone comes back and tries to say I was being rude. The next day, which is today, I got an email from the second presenter. I admit I was taken aback by the email. He emailed me to collabor uh, corroborate my analysis of the situation. He said, inclusion of poverty rates is self-congratulatory at best and intentionally deceptive or a dog whistle at worst. You definitely said that, you definitely, you didn't say that part. Personally, I think it is a logical next point. Before I responded, I asked my manager. My manager said that it's okay to respond, just make sure to say that your response is not representative of the, of the employer. After I responded, he responded with another interesting email saying, personally, it has been a hard realization that advocating for trails and bike lanes has very real negative effects on those that often have an unrepresented voice. I'm learning the full cycle of city revitalization and how increased home values are only good for a selective few. I see the businesses opening and how they are implicitly or sometimes explicitly not made for the people that currently live there. I see the system in place and I see how I benefit and participate in them actively and passively. Then he asked if I had solutions for which I said I do not know. And that is the end of my story. Um, I do have two questions for you, Gus. Um, I believe recently, because of the whole flood situation, you changed your address. I emailed you about it, but um, I guess you've just been really busy. You haven't had a chance to get back to me about that. Um, and then I also emailed you about potentially emailing, I'm sorry, interviewing another person about a book that recently came out, Bike Lanes Are White Lanes. 
high school advocacy and urban planning by a woman named Melody L. Hoffman. Have you been able to get back to her? And I will mute my line. That Hoffman chick is so uh, tacky. Uh, I remember that exchange. I think that might have been before the flood or somewhere around there. Anyway, um, did you reach out to her? Um, I think you heard on another program to see if she'd be interested to do an interview. Really? She was tacky? You didn't make me aware of that. The last person I suggested to you was another man named Chuck Marone, who simply stopped responding. Oh, okay. He never contacted me, but Hoffman, when I wrote her, this is a suspected race soldier. She wrote this book about uh, basically what he was just sharing uh, on his workplace situation, how white people, uh, they know this, like the high level, uh, like in architectural engineers and people that do planning of streets and bike trails and parks and all that sort of thing, uh, that they know that these bike trails and what have you, this is not for black people. Uh, this is for the benefit of white people, which is what I was thinking the whole time, like them putting these trails here might mean the non-white people that are living in this area might be getting kicked out of there sometime soon. But at any rate, uh, I, I wrote her and she wrote back and she her first correspondence was, oh, sure, I'd be down to do an interview. Uh, do you have any archives I can check out? What date are you looking at? I suggested dates and I sent her uh, a link to our Black Talk Radio Network page. And she was like, oh, man, this is, uh, I read some of your reviews. Yeah, I don't know if this will this will be a, a good fit or not. And I wish you all the best. And um, in my view, just the standard white tackiness because it was no, well, hey, this is an important issue. Uh, if it's too long, maybe I could do 30 minutes or something like that, which we've done before. Like, it's very low effort like if this is wow this is a serious issue that we need to talk about you know yeah absolutely let's get it not that at all tacky 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 miss hoffman dang it seems like all the people iris um i try to recommend for interviews have given you such a hard time it's um i listened to that interview with what is her name cheryl moses i believe that i recommended her a little bit as well too and i the interview was unfortunate well, at least people, that does seem, well, I did mention that for workplace racism. So uh, at least on that end, I can say, if nothing else, a demonstration of why I think it's very important that you have a code uh, for how you are going to deal with non-white people in your workplace. If that means under no circumstances do I call the police, so be it. If that means only under these circumstances will I call enforcement officers on a non-white person, on a black person uh, in the workplace, so be it. Uh, how do I handle conflict with another non-wiper? Can I can I handle conflict so that it doesn't have to get to that point, so that we don't have to even think about uh, calling enforcement officials? Very, very important to have a code for how you deal with non-white people uh, in the workplace, especially around uh, conflict. So it was worthwhile for that, if nothing else. Uh, did folks have any other comments? Oh, uh, the caller at 7978. Oh, Thank you. Uh, also, he knows you about um, sending you um, money as well, too. Oh, yes, the address. I don't. I thought I'd respond to that. I guess I'll go back and just to the Hoffman email. I'll respond to that with the updated address. Perfect. Thank you very much. For sure, for sure. Uh, the person that dialed in at 7978-7978, did you have commentary? Not that all of what we just heard was not worthy of response, because it certainly was. I'm just trying to make sure we don't miss any of the folks that uh, have dialed in. Uh, 7978, did you have commentary? 
Hello, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Oh, hi. It's Chantel. Um, oh, what's good? <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to give a little, uh, just just to get some insight on a situation that happened today. Um, I and I've, I've commented on this before about a particular employee that I thought was distracting me. Um, and, you know, I took the certain steps to, you know, ignore him and continue doing my work. Um, we ha- now at my job have a director of technical services who is actually um, at this point overseeing our particular department. So she actually had a one-on-one meeting with me as well as my boss the other day, and she will also be having one with another uh, white male tomorrow, which I'm not going to give his name. Um, I have my one-on-one meeting with her today, and she just asked me, you know, what are your aspirations, what are your goals, is there anything you're concerned about um, that we need to look into? So, you know, I told her, you know, I'm looking to become, you know, customer service manager. Um, I talked to her my different priorities, like what do I do during the day? She asked, you know, what do you think can also help you become better at your job? Um, but I also did mention to her, she asked if there was any concerns, you know, and I did mention to her that the previous job I used to work at was an environment where it wasn't really laid back, but the boss was on top of getting, make sure everybody was doing what they were doing, but she was still relaxed in a way where she wasn't that strict, but everybody knew they had to make sure they get things done by the end of the day. There wasn't there wasn't any open tickets. Everything was done. So I told her, I'm found to relaxed environment, but what I don't like is working and being distracted. And she's like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, I, to be honest with you, I don't feel comfortable giving a name, but um, I just want to make an awareness that I feel like if someone's working and you're distracting them, I don't think that's fair to the person who's trying to get their work done. And she's like, oh, okay, that's something we're going to have to uh, look into. And she asked, you know, do you feel comfortable giving the name? I was like, at this moment, no. Maybe I can give it to you later on, but at this moment, no. Um, she's like, okay, yes, that's fine. Just, you know, let me know when, when you're ready to do that. Um, yeah, she's like, yeah, we're, we want to make sure that uh, – you know, people are not getting distracted doing their work. Um, we want to make sure that, and this, she's an outside person looking in to what's going on with our department. They hired somebody to kind of look in. She's like, and we want to make sure, and we want to also make sure that, you know, we don't have one person, you know, uh, pulling their weight and you have other people who aren't doing their jobs. Yep, I agree. So um, she didn't mention to me that, you know, in a situation like this, you know, um, just overall, you know, we're having a meet, one-on-one meetings, but also this is getting reported back to, you know, CEO and this little developer. So we want to make sure people are doing their jobs. If we have to replace people, we will have to do that. Oh, that's what she said. So I was like, oh, okay. So she's already telling me that's something they're already thinking about doing. So, you know, as long as you're, like, as long as you're doing your job, then there's nothing you have to worry about. I was like, oh. Okay. So um, she gave me a task because I told her, you know, I like customer service. I like helping people. I told her I've been, 
I'm willing to work, you know, after hours, you know, even maybe working from home. I feel also you guys should try to hire another person, which I think will mediate the situation. So I was giving her all these different ideas to help the customer service. Um, she also asked me, you know, if you can, can you create a spreadsheet of how many tickets a day that each person is doing? So if you can get, you know, this person's name, this person's name, and actually go through to see how many tickets they're actually doing. She's like, that would be great. And I was like, yeah, I can write a spreadsheet. That's fine. I was like, okay. So, uh, yeah, that, that meeting went in, interestingly well. Um, you know, she asked me what college I'm into and everything, but it went well. I said what I needed to say. And, you know, I told her as much as you guys are concerned as why the numbers were they were, I completely agree. You know, I'm used to um, a work ethic structure where, you know, things need to get done, they need to get done. And she said, yeah, and I agree with you because the job that I worked at, you know, in customer service, you know, if there was 200 tickets in there, it's at the end of the day, everybody is staying there getting those tickets done. Nobody's leaving. So I'm just surprised you guys don't have that implemented with your team. And I was like, I, you know, I'm not really manager, you know. She's like, yeah, I understand. So I said, I'm going to, you know, send this over to the developers to talk with them, you know, and get some uh, insight and, you know, we'll go from there. So I said, okay, yes, it works out good. So I felt very, uh, really happy I had that conversation with her. So I feel like that that got off my chest. However, after that, I had a meeting with the two other white males who were in my department because we have our daily huddle. They were acting a little strange. More so in a sense of wondering, what did Chantel talk about in that meeting? Now, they did not ask me directly what I said to her, but I felt like they were making some complaints about the developer in terms of how he wants the customer service department to be managed. And my boss was sitting there talking about him in hopes that I would get involved in that conversation, which I did not. And I actually was hosting the Daily Huddle meeting, and I was like, I would appreciate if we get back to what we're talking about. Okay. So I went back to the numbers, but he kept interrupting and going on little tangents about what the developer wants us to do and how he doesn't like it. And I was like, David, again, I would like to get back to what we're doing. And the other white male, it's like you can tell something was going on. Like they've already talked about, they were talking amongst each other about the developer. I was not trying to get involved in the gossip, you know. So we finished the meeting. I left. Um, and I found out from the director of technical services that they will be shadowing every single person in that department as of next week. So she'll be sitting with me, I believe, Tuesday, and I think the other person and the other guy uh, sometime next week to see what we're doing. Spectacular. Why did you – I I just had a question. Why did you not feel comfortable divulging the name – of the white man racist who's been distracting you for like months, if not years at this or at least a year at this point. Um and wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. for important context, this white man has been verbally reprimanded on more than one occasion for distracting coworkers. Uh isn't that isn't that true? Yeah. 
Okay, so why did you not feel comfortable divulging the name uh, of someone who has been reprimanded for this behavior repeatedly? Um, I don't know. Something just—I don't know. Something. I guess I didn't feel right saying it. I guess at that moment, I did make a mention to her that they're a distraction, but I, I don't know. For some reason, I just at that very moment, I felt like for some reason. To really not give a name for some reason. I don't know why. It was, I, I felt like I need to let her know where there are, there are distractions. So that way when she, you know, she's aware and she's looking around, she can see. But I assume you're saying it would make sense to say something, you know, but I don't know. Just, I just kind of wanted to let mm-hmm. make her aware that there's distractions, but it's like I feel like I didn't really want to be calling anybody out because it's just like, I don't know. Because I, I, don't, I don't know if that would come back on me in some time. Even if I had a record or whatever I had, I don't know if that would come back on me in some way. So it was kind of like I was being strategic, letting her know there are distractions, but, you know, not really, you know, I don't know. I just think that I, I at that very moment. Yeah. I got you. You said what you yeah. said that makes logical sense being, you know, concerned that in some way that there might be some sort of retaliation uh, or this yeah. might cause problems for you uh, that you, you know, ratted out this white, uh, this white guy for doing that. Uh, I, just my thought, and, and I'm not saying there's anything incorrect about that at all. I see the total logic in why you took that approach. I'm just saying I think it's at least worth considering this guy had been reprimanded twice. And I think when we talked about this before, this is one that I said I would have got that in writing, uh, even if it was just sending an email to confirm that this conversation took place, that we had we had to take time out of company work hours to have a conversation about this person being annoying and disrupting other coworkers. I would want that on record because that's what they do with black people. You show up late for a minute. Uh, and that's just not going to be, oh, we're going to, no, let's get to these written warning, put that in your file that you were late on such and such a day and you didn't do this and such a, same thing. Let's have this written down and that it had to happen twice that they talked to this guy. I would have passed that information along, uh, that this is not just me saying this. This has become enough of a problem that he's had to be reprimanded. We've had to give him a verbal warning repeatedly, like he has been called out individually. That might be where I would have probably gone ahead and said that, uh, just because, I mean, this is ridiculous. Like, th- again, this is not something that's just been a problem for a couple days or a couple weeks, like months of racist annoyance. But I certainly understand the logic of, of why you follow through the way that you did and the shadowing if if she's going to take this seriously like yeah we're going to go around and and shadow people and we're serious great i also think it's great that's why i talk about the importance of being alert uh that you noted that the uh your white coworkers were not pleased uh about your private uh rendezvous and discussion uh that they were annoyed concerned uh about what was being said uh, that they were not aware of. Uh, and uh, also uh, just a, a point of emphasis, I think, uh, noting that white people have talked uh, amongst themselves about things before, uh, beforehand, uh, where you were not present or where other non-white people were not present, that is very, very common. In my opinion, it is smart, it's intelligent, it's logical to think that this is happening all the time, all over the world in the system of white supremacy that the whites on your job, they are even the whites that seem like they don't get along and hate each other's guts, and maybe they actually do, but they will certainly network 
particularly when it comes to maintaining white supremacy locally, nationally, globally. Uh, we are pretty much at the three-hour mark. Do we have anybody who had something concise that they can get in in 60 seconds or less? Take one one person if they have something concise that they need to get in before we wrap. Okay. Yes, ma'am. I forgot to mention something else. Let's hear it. 60 seconds. Okay. I was leaving work yesterday, and I did see uh, my the two male coworkers talking outside one of the, the guy's cars. So I was walking out, and I saw the one guy look at me, so I'm like, okay, are they talking about me? And he turned back and was talking to that white male. This was yesterday before my meeting, and he, the white male had his meeting with that girl yesterday. So she might be telling that white male that we're going to be shadowed next week. So he's probably trying to give him the heads up to not distract me or anything. So that way he's on his that's, best behavior. That seems logical. Uh, like like yeah. I said, I would just assume the whites, they are going to look out for each other. And, you know, I can't believe that nigger is over here trying to, you know, get them to stop you from having fun and doing your little shenanigans around the office and just cool out for a little while next week and then we're going to get her. I think that's probably something, you know, along those lines, uh, especially if they were in the meeting trying to gossip and you, you know, are derailing that uh, as well. Like uh, that's, that seems very, very logical to me. Uh, I would just give us the update on uh, what happens after the shadowing, I guess next week, if that's when it happens. And then if he reverts to type after, you know, one day of them giving close surveillance. But uh, we will call it a broadcast. That has been a full three. Uh, we will be here tomorrow for the book club. Angie Thomas, The Hate You Give. Man, oh, man, I am not feeling that book, but maybe we just haven't read enough. Man, <laughs> maybe we just haven't read enough. Uh, we're only we're starting on Chapter 4 tomorrow. We only did the first three chapters last week, so we're picking up Chapter 4. Uh, Angie Thomas's the 2017 Young Adult Novel of the Year, hands down, uh, being read in schools across the country right now. Again, if we have any young listeners uh, or educators, uh, if you have experience with this book, if you read it, we have educators. If you taught this book in class, would love to hear your perspective or even how this book is taught in a classroom tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the broadcast. Hope it was a constructive investment of your Thursday evening slash Friday morning, Stacy in the UK. Uh, and again, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy, wine or no. Sobriety would be best uh, under conditions of white terrorism. Uh, I think Dr. Welsing and many of the folks that we esteem would strongly encourage us uh, to preserve our brain computers and make sure that we are functioning at maximum capacity so that we can have that crystal razor sharp thinking at all times. Our brain computers humming along, cranking out concepts and new ideas to help permanently solve the problem, the system of white supremacy. Uh, certainly, if you're going to be in a vehicle, buckle up. Keep saying that one repeatedly. Man, Driver or passenger, buckle up. Let's do everything we can to minimize contact with race soldiers. That's it. Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people 
victims of white supremacy, we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's brother. Your problem? You're a victim. Right. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.